0: Welcome to Close Lines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray.
1: Well, all right, no self connection. We are back with episode four of Headlines and Close Lines 2.0. We are joined with, of course co-host Mike Rossi, Rocco Martone. what's going on guys?
0: Not much man, you know, back to back days on the network this week, um, so I'm excited to talk current events after talking some old school events. You fucking mock, that's next week, <laughs> shit together. No it's not, no it's yeah, not. New jet on the missions today, fucking Johnny's next week, uh, ruthlessly aggressive is next week. Well, well, I'm a fucking idiot then, but, but <clears> either way. Either way, I, I recorded it this week, so I am a mark, and, and I'm happy to talk new shit after talking with 2003. And uh,
2: today, I mean, Volume 4, much like Black Sabbath Volume 4, tonight's going to be a great one. We're going to have one of the best songs, Black Sabbath, and then we're going to have a great ballad. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. So that's a concert. We, we're we going to hit our guest early, man. You know, this guy goes to a million concerts and I'm sure you had to ditch one, ditch a concert to join us tonight. John D. Arsenio tomorrow. What is going on, man? We bring you in early. We're bringing the heavy hitters in early for the news. What's up, dude? Uh,
3: I'm honored to be on. This is, this is a great show, uh, Ryan. You do you do a good job of uh, directing uh, these two made men over here. Uh, <laughs> Martoni and Rossi. Asti Spooge Monty. Uh. <laughs> We lost another
0: famous Pauly this week, too, so you got to be careful with us, you know? You never know when the Italians are going to strike next.
3: It's a a rough month for for bosses. Uh, Pauly Walnuts, uh, 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 Pauly, who's next?
1: I don't know. We have the fucking FBI here with us, but uh,
3: whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Nunzio. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'd fucking squashed that guy in Velocity in 2003 anyways. So anyways, guys, we start out heavy with the news. So, uh, you know, there's a theme going on here where Vince McMahon is always in the news since bringing the show back. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend retired, you know, and it wasn't a ceremonious retirement. He's kind of forced his hand in a way because homeboy got to put his hands in too many cookie jars. No pun intended. But um, I don't know. You know, we, we we speculated what would happen, what would be the ramifications, and kind of what would be what's really going on. And long story short is he kind of messed up some funds. He got a little sloppy. The lawyer got a little sloppy, and maybe we're paying back funds. Rossi, what does uh, Thurston's latest tweet say about the gist of kind of why McMahon is stepping away as you know CEO of the WWE?
0: Yeah, so this kind of helps you put you a little bit of a timeline with it, because this all came out to the company in the last week. So uh, Brandon Thurston, who's who's great with the economics of wrestling, uh, tweeted out today. He made two tweets. First, he made payments to benefit the company, at least in part. So it's a company expense and should have been accounted for as such. It doesn't matter if the funds came from his personal accounts. And then secondarily for anyone still confused today about why Vince McMahon is in so much trouble for payments he made using personal money in a publicly traded company, you don't get to decide at your whim what's a personal expense and what's a company expense is my understanding. So, yeah, it just sounds like he was, you know, saying some things were personal, some things weren't when they were actually coming out of the uh, WWE Kitty.
1: All right, so he didn't cross all his T's and dot all his I's and... You know, the slick old man got a little sloppy with his age and, you know, and it is kind of what it is. You know, I don't want to say it's unfortunate because, you know, he did have a rough and roundy, a rough, rough and roundy, uh, rough and windy road down there. But, um, you know, you hate to see him go like this, but, you know, it's kind of a little warranted. You know, you it's a different culture nowadays and. White collar crime is sometimes more vicious than blue collar crime, so it's kind of what we're going to be looking at here. Johnny, as a Vince McMahon, I don't know, I don't want to say fan, but as Vic, you know, but you've been around the longest here, so that's the kind of we wanted to bring you in. You know, want to give us a little eulogy of, of the old man here?
3: uh a, a big fan, but but not a stan. I, I mean, uh, you can't uh, you can't co-sign. Uh... A lot of the stuff he did, but uh, as a leader, there's more good than bad. But it definitely it, it stains the uh, the ending because uh, you know you know a, a true legend go, goes out on his own terms. So uh, it it it's definitely uh he he definitely uh took took a couple of hits as a as as a legend in the business uh, that that uh, he couldn't go out on his own terms that he had that he had to go out like this and this is uh, unfortunately. It, it's it's the, it's going to be a big thing of what he's re- remembered by. All the all the good that he did is uh, kind kind of going to be wiped away by uh, by just being messy, man. It's uh, hey hey listen, it's uh, you know you know Pussy is undefeated and uh, it's it's take, it's taken down uh, you know many great men, but it's, it's those that are, that were stronger to uh, to to get over it, uh, you know, have a better uh, reputation and uh, their eulogies are you know they're a lot more well-regarded so this is the you know, this is what's gonna carry him when uh you know when eventually when he does go and then they write his obituaries this is gonna be a big part of it unfortunately and uh and uh and it's not and so some of the a lot of the good stuff that that he did is is not gonna be mentioned uh, you know to make room for this stuff
2: the tr- trim is, tr- trim has the true streak in wrestling huh <laughs> yes
1: and I was going to say, Rocco, as the PC police over here. Uh, what are you going to
2: say about it, buddy? That's me? All right. Um, <laughs> I do I did not know that. I mean, much like, you know, Jerry Waller had to pretty much die to get rid of heel Michael Cole. You know, Vince had to get this thing under his uh, belt to get the fuck out of there and uh, finally make a way. It's kind of like you said about getting uh, almost – he was close, right? Like if he had just bounced out, it's like when you're – maybe you're uh, stepping out on a lady or something – and you just get caught that last time you think, man, if it was only one time ago, if I had called the quits, you know, nothing would have changed. So just that one time extra. And you do wonder if he had gotten out of there a little earlier. Would the if he wasn't in the company when all this stuff happened, would the legacy be so big to be tarnished? And uh, but once again, just because he's gone, if he does not go to jail, that does not mean he's not a part of this show that you're going to be watching on a weekly basis. Um, You know, he's doesn't – like unless there's a law that says – or someone says you cannot show up at the shows or do whatever. Like I used to work at a liquor store owned by this guy, Angelo Bertelli. He was the first uh, Heisman Trophy winner for Notre Dame history. And he bought a liquor store and he eventually retired, gave it to his son. That motherfucker was at my store every day. (laughs) So he was showing up. He was still not the main guy, but like these guys don't just disappear. So I – we're all hopeful. I guess we'll talk about that later, about what this is going to mean for the show. But – your, his fingerprints ain't going away anytime soon.
1: Creatively, I think they they might, but you know everything else. I'm sure he has his his finger on the pulse to an extent, but I do think the face of the company does need to be a little different in that three headed monster. For now, just for public you know perception. And geez, what did that stock go up? Nine, ten dollars Monday after the news. So I would say their PR department is winning right now. So. I don't know, guys. But anyways, so that would lead to the co-CEOs. Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan were named co-CEOs around Monday morning. You know, two weeks after Stephanie was called the interim CEO when the Vince News started to funnel in and out. So that's something I believe. Here's a quick little nugget. Four percent of the four percent of the CPI, CIP or whatever it is. Um, of those companies have co-CEOs and there's plenty of think pieces out there on having co-CEOs. And I guess there's a lot of negatives and a lot of positives, but for right now, I think it's a decent good cop, bad cop approach where Stephanie is constantly the good cop in that female role. And Nick Conn is kind of the bad cop in a way in between Triple H and Stephanie, because Triple H can be a little bit of both too in a way too. So I think it's a nice clean approach to have going forward. With the good cop, bad cop, uh, the McMahon legacy name within within Stephanie, progressive female, and then you have the Nick Khan business, the screw businessman kind of leading the way too. So I think it's an interesting approach. There's a lot of positives and a lot of negatives on the co-CEOs. Do any of you guys have anything to say about that, Rocco? You know, does your liquor store guy, was he a co-CEO or, you know, what do you think?
2: I mean, he was just an old Goomba who wanted to tell me to get off the stool and start dusting bottles. Um, I don't really – I don't know much about the uh, the backstage aspects of what Nick Khan and uh, Stephanie would be doing. I, I can't really speak too much on it. I mean, having Stephanie be a uh, face of the thing, a face of everything, doesn't seem like a bad move at this point no, when you true. have a guy getting kicked out of there. Well, <laughs> she has a nice face. Uh, she reminds me of my sister, so I don't actually like her too much. But um, <laughs> having a woman in charge of the thing – I'll hit later had, about that. <laughs> <laughs> that had a guy, get you know, who was this major thing happen is, is not a bad luck. Right. So that's about all I got to say about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll Donnie, jump in real don't... quick on that, um, too, just because you're talking about the business side. Like Nikon's definitely there for the business. and And I still think long term he was brought in to eventually facilitate the sale. Um, and I mean, obviously, whenever we expect the sale to happen, whether it's a year from now, whether it's four years from now, my expectation's always been that it'll be kind of like the UFC sale was when you know Dana White's still in charge of the company, he just doesn't own it anymore. Um, that's where I could see this, you know, Nick Con piece that really, you know, makes the most sense. And when you put the puzzle together, um, everybody in that company seems to respect Steph. Everybody in that company seems to respect Triple H. So Nick Khan might not have those relationships, so you can't really give him the full-blown CEO role. His time in wrestling is so small, but his role is going to be when the, when the um, I's get dotted and the T's get crossed and, and money's on the line. Um, that's where his experience is, and it really is, to your point, like a good cop, a bad cop um, when it comes to the talent, but when it comes to business, I don't think that you're going to see Stephanie McMahon in too many boardroom meetings with NBC. That's what Nick Khan's there for. Um, And, and I think that, you know, it's really good that they have their strengths and their weaknesses um, you know, one in wrestling, one in business. And it it really seems like a perfect yin to the Yang again to, to Rocco's point though, as long as Vince lets them do it because he still is majority shareholder in this company. And, you know, if he, swings the stick it's going to probably get something done so um hopefully that doesn't happen we'll talk about that a little bit more with triple h but i really think the dynamic is perfect based on where they need to be
1: uh, johnny you think they're getting sold here is that why the stock's up you know, you know would you trust a wwe sale and would you trust the direction without a mcmahon you know on the marquee
3: yeah, I, I was reading. Uh, some uh, financial uh, experts uh, do speculate that, that that's the reason for the uh, the uptick in the stock is uh, for a possible sale, but uh, otherwise uh, there is uh, some optimism uh, for for the for the setup there with the uh, Slicknick handling uh, the money and uh, the the big uh, TV negotiations, which is uh, where they generate most of their income, and and uh, and Steph and. Uh, and her right-hand man will be a in the creative uh, it looks like a good marriage uh, that that, that um, might work I and mean, we may see better things and so more optimism for fans
1: yeah that a lot of that optimism has to do with Triple H you know right before the friday and then monday again friday was announced that Triple H is going to be the head of talent relations and everyone was like all right he's back he's feeling good great good awesome and then um Monday morning, it came out that Triple H may be head of creative, and then it just kind of an explosion of joy, an explosion of optimism, an explosion of finally. It's you know, it looked like nine, ten months ago he was going to be he he was trying to get he was being ousted, and he was you know all that stuff he built because the succession plan was him and Stephanie for Vince, you know dating back to like 2015, 14 ish, even but probably before then honestly. And Triple H has been building the NXT up and building up his team of stuff. And then, poof, Vince comes in and kind of just gets mad and gets rid of it all and brings in his old cronies, does his own thing and just shapes the company how he is. And then, you know, not to play the long game here, but you could kind of maybe see a little succession plan here where, you know, these two kind of do land where they are. And then a, a little nugget, too, that you tend to forget that Nick Khan was Triple H's boy when he was hired in 2020. You know, it was announced that he was hired, and they were very impressed with him in the negotiation, like you were just mentioning, Johnny, in the previous negotiation with Fox and NBC Universal. So, so this super, this super agent, Nick Khan, was hired, and then Meltzer couldn't just gleeing how Triple H and him just connected instantly. And you know, Triple H, he's not a college degree guy; he's he's a he's a street guy, and he can connect people on that aspect. So. He knows his lane and he sees this guy. And to its core, these guys were kind of meshed really well at the beginning. So that's why I was kind of always weary when I was just like, well, I don't really know if Nick Khan's going in there and slashing Triple H's throat and getting rid of all his guys. He's just cleaning up the books for a sale, you know, and then NXT was a, a faucet, a sieve of money. But that was an, that sieve of money was an investment for the future. So that was kind of and they, and they just print money over the WWE so they can just it doesn't matter what they lose. They make quadruple of it. So they didn't care that NXT was losing. They were because they were constant. you know, that was the, they were investing in the future. And then, you know, Nick Khan comes in, looks at the books, and they start chipping and chopping. And everyone thinks that, you know, Nick Khan and Triple H are kind of against each other. And then, you know, the long and the short is, here they are together at the end. So they come in together, and they end together. Was it Rocky in between? Who the hell really knows? But at the end of the day, the succession plan kind of played out as is. And, you know, if I'm a WWE wrestler, you know, not named Brock Lesnar or not named Roman – man, I'm sure Roman Reigns is fine, but not named – if I didn't have my dick or my hand around Vince's cock, I would feel a little tight. But other than that, I feel a little, I feel, I would feel pretty confident and I would feel, you know, excited to be a WWE Superstar with Triple H head of my creative. Now, it's, it could be a little murky waters where he's head of creative and he's head of talent relations where they kind of, those two kind of coincide a little bit. It could be a little bad cop, bad cop, but hey, I'm sure that Triple H. To the Triple H of old, is isn't really the Triple H of, you know, now, I, I do believe that, so, I don't know, Johnny, you optimistic here, you know, you you're the elder statesman here, you've seen it all, been there, done that. Is Triple H the guy to head this creative team right now?
3: Ah, oh, yes, uh, I'm very optimistic, I mean, I, how can you, how can you not be, the, absolutely, the, the, the way things, are, we're, we're going, the Vince is not mm-hmm. gonna, it's not gonna change, and, you know there's definitely uh, some changes that that are needed uh, in the product uh, well, you, you can't just look at the uh, the bottom line uh, you know for, for for us fans we you know we want more uh, entertainment uh, and uh, it it seems like they're just uh, settling for because because their profits are are still uh you know, are, are, are still very good so but, but for us as fans, we want more entertainment. So th- this is definitely a good a good thing for, for the hardcores.
0: Yeah. I think just to kind of like, like throw my last piece on this, like I feel like I've seen in the last couple of weeks just how bulletproof WWE is. Um, They have a, seen an increase in rating. Yeah, they've seen an increase in their ratings across the board. Their stock's up. All while the guy that made the company from pretty much rags to riches got ousted for sexual harassment causes. You would think in ninety-five percent of these major industries where this would happen, business would tank, but in WWE, no, interest rises. Um 2.3 <laughs> million for SmackDown, 1.9 million for mm-hmm. Raw, which is a high number for Raw. And, and, sell um, out and at,
3: you, a sellout at MSG and, yes, and, during, yes, and during like a stale period where, where like Raw is is to show that everybody you know craps on there and, and everybody talks about how they avoid it and they and they still manage to sell out, which is unfathomable. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and it's all you know, like people, you know, all the news came out for Vince on on Friday afternoon, and the show at the TD Garden in Boston went from seven thousand tickets sold to over ten thousand tickets sold. Um, mm-hmm. and they were treading water for weeks. The show was as like as Ryan texted me last night. It really it made me laugh. Show was as mid as it could get, but it did 2.3 million because that intrigue was there, and maybe the Brock stuff helped that. um, But the Vince stuff was the reason people were tuning in at eight o'clock. And let's be real, so this company is as bulletproof as they've ever been, and it's been more proven in the last, you know, two three weeks to a month than it's it has at any point in their history.
2: Also, I mean, WWE fans are, you know, they're kind of cult like too, and they are even though that dude is kind of fucked over a product that it used to be so great for years. And it's like, you could demand his head, you want his head, but you're people are coming for him and he's one of yours. So you kind of like rally behind, but we're also, you think a show's going to change in one night where it's like, obviously the show's going to be the exact same show that was written beforehand. So it, it just, it, it's just, I think fans are just rabid for something new to happen. So I think that it can explain some of that. Um, speaking about the, like the Vince leaving kind of thing. And like you John was talking before about the new, the new idea of the Triple H is that we had a 74-year-old man or 77-year-old man writing a show for children, essentially, and younger people. Not even children. Yes, children, but also for 20-year-olds and stuff like that. And that doesn't exist anywhere. That's not how things work. But we just, it just happened to be that way with this dude doing it for so many years. It's kind of like why cartoons in the 80s were so fucking dark. It's because they had like 40, 50-year-old men writing these shows. You watch the cartoons now, they're written by 20-year-olds and younger people who <laughs> can associate a little better with younger people. And you're like, oh, this is a show for kids. It still has an adult like kind of vibe to it if you watch some like adult swim stuff. But like, it's just crazy that there was an old man that just was writing this show for young people for so many years. It doesn't exist in any form of entertainment other than wrestling, and WWE in particular. And WWE has made such a cult of people that – they just kind of are willing to be like don't fight him he, he he created my childhood so they get very defensive when they see him maybe be taken down I don't know I'm I'm almost rambling there for a second but um yeah I don't know if that makes sense but also Nick Khan does have a wrestling tie cuz his sister is the producer of Young Rock for The Rock yeah, He's fr- he's with the
1: Rock so that, you know yeah. that could open up the door for the Rock eventually and hopefully
2: I mean I don't think he's a wrestling guy but like I tr- <laughs> just a A a younger dude who can trust the instincts of younger people around him, like we'll talk about with Triple H. I'd rather him have more say than fucking Vince McMahon, who created so many good things, because at least he's not a fossil.
1: Vince really should have been, what, out in 2013? (laughs) Let's be real. You know, it's it's 10 years at least overdue. And, you know, I'm sure he's still, he was still batting 400. (laughs) You know, that's not good in wrestling. That's. That's good in base. That's great in baseball, but in wrestling, NFL coaches get fired if you you know, for that easily. <laughs> NFL coaches get fired if you bet six hundred. So I don't know. It's it was just overdue. He, he's she. He still hit his home runs, but to his core, he just surrounded himself with quote unquote yes men just so he could feel comfortable in his later sales, later years and just stayed stayed the course the whole time. But always, I'm pretty sure. Um, everyone is optimistic there that's been there for a while that things are going to go his way i think bischoff said it kind of well within you know the last three days on his 83 weeks podcast i think the wwe creative process is going to be greatly greatly enhanced i think you're going to see some incredible talent talented people begin to do what they are capable of doing without an unbearable process to deal within it so that's a pretty good way of putting it when i saw that quote today and that's someone that was kind of there for a cup of coffee, you know, three, four years ago or whatever. So we'll see what they're made of. I think Triple H has his finger on the pulse, and I'm very optimistic. Tomorrow, any predictions on Triple H? When is he going to turn the ship around? Why isn't it yesterday? Is it going to be tomorrow? And do you think we're going to get a big angle at SummerSlam before we get into it? Well, yeah, what say you, Johnny? Any predictions here for Triple H?
3: Yes, I think the, the Stephanie and uh, Triple H. Uh, I, I think their first uh, big move was to mend the fences with uh, Sasha and Naomi, and uh, they're, they're going to make a uh, Summerslam appearance, probably uh, messing up the uh, the Ronda match and uh, causing a double DQ there. Big, uh, big run in there.
1: All right, all right, Rocco. Any uh, any last Triple H booking predictions we're going to see before we get to move on to the next thing?
2: I like I like Johnny's a lot. I'm gonna go with that one. That was good one. I want to see that. I want to see that. You know.
1: Yeah, I think maybe we get a little Sasha Naomi instead of Bailey. Bailey's an easy one. Come on, what are you cooking up there, Rossi? Any predictions on Triple H? Before you know, are we gonna see anything in the? I just think it's personally. I think it's gonna be a steady, steady, aggressive. You know, each week something new type of thing. I don't think it's gonna happen overnight, Rosso.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty much, I mean, from everything that we were hearing over the last, you know, couple weeks and months, it seemed like they had kind of long-term booking planned out through to the Castle show um, in September. Mm -hmm. So I don't really expect, you know, major changes at the top of, like, who's getting booked strong. But I definitely think, and you kind of saw a little bit of already on Raw this week with, like, you know some some Chompa promo that they did you know kind of for the internet and stuff like that i think you're gonna start to see some of uh, triple h's nxt guys kind of get more of a look at it and if i'm gonna get a prediction um one that i'm gonna have and you know maybe it boils over quick or not but um you know i'll even go specific into a storyline with it i i expect johnny gargano back um he is a triple h guy through and through um, he might, you know, he's been waiting and biding his time and no better time than now to to strike with the iron's hot to get him back over to WWE. Um, you know, if we're going to keep building up Logan Paul and the Miz against, I'm sorry, Miz and Chomper against Logan Paul, Logan Paul's going to need a buddy at some point And that's where Chompa could get, I mean, uh, Gargano fits right in. Triple H would foaming at the mouth, probably to get Chomper and Gargano in a main roster ring together. <laughs> so um, let, let's see that. Let's see Johnny Gargano come back. I mean, when I talk about what's going on in Nashville this weekend, he's got a, uh, like a live show that he's going to say what's next. But um, I really think that he's going to be coming back. And I even think our boy Meltzer uh, maybe had a little bit in uh foot <laughs> and mouth in this, in this last uh, raw review. So um, I think Gargano will be back pretty soon.
3: <laughs> Coolness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was a little
1: self-deprecating with it today, so I, I kind of enjoyed that a little bit. Uh, so, but yeah, that that was quite the, that was the quite the good one, Dave. <laughs> what the hell? All right, I think it's gonna be. I don't think we're, like overnight. We're, we're not gonna change everything up overnight. I think when we get to the draft, we'll have a you know a direction. Triple H being the finish guy now is definitely interesting. I think that should help with the flow of the show. And look at yesterday. It started flowing, but three hours is a clog, and that's going to be a real hard you know, plunge to get that unclogged instantly. So um, I don't know. The best case scenario is you can go to two hours of raw, but you know, that ain't going to happen. But anyways, all right, let's get the minds. thing us before we, tr- we transition to the SummerSlam preview. My thing of the week is SummerSlam, pre- is uh, memories on SummerSlam. So my thing of the week is, what's your first SummerSlam moment? Johnny, that's probably the first match, but um, <laughs> what's your favorite and or best SummerSlam pay-per-view? And then what is your favorite and or best SummerSlam match? So, Johnny, was uh, your first SummerSlam moment?
3: Yeah, sir? you... You 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 threw in the big spoiler right away. Uh, that would be uh SummerSlam season Uno. <laughs> I think uh, uh, it was a Monday night watching on uh, Scrambleocity. Uh, funds were a little rough at the time. couldn't uh, Couldn't swing the uh, the live, uh, but the def- definitely I uh, was able to follow along on sc- uh, Scrambleocity. That would be a SummerSlam uh, eight eight uh, for those of you uh, uh, born in the nineties. Uh, so season one so they're very uh you know it, it was a garden house show but the, the, with a couple of very special moments so very so cool
2: it was it was a thing beautiful
1: now rocco what about you was that your first moment too memory of SummerSlam?
2: absolutely i uh, i got the tapes i was not a guy i also was not watching them live but i think i was 11 and uh i uh, got the tape uh, whatever whenever my uncle who had a little scratch old fucking brought it back up to northern new jersey and gave it to me to watch um, just incredible, yeah! I, mean, I couldn't even believe how excited I was to watch that show.
1: Now, Rossi, someone more in my age range here is These, you know, these grandpas are done. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll push up you anything. Anyway.
0: <laughs> what is your first SummerSlam memory, Mike? So my first one's uh, ninety-one, an MSG. Um, the uh, match made in heaven, match made in hell. Um, where, you know, you had the the Elizabeth uh, Macho wedding and you had the warrior and Hogan against uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa and General Adnan. Um, but really um, that the reason why that was my first one is, you know, right around 90, late 90, 91, that's when, you know, I think the family got the hot box for the first time. So yeah. I was really starting to get more into WWE pay-per-views. And, you know, I was now like seven. So I was probably able to remember what I was watching at this point. And I would record them on VHS and then just watch them at nauseum, these pay-per-views. Like, not even just 91 SummerSlam, but like 91 Survivor Series. Like, I remember I probably watched those two shows more than anything. Um, and then leading into 92 Rumble, which is a, a great kind of three-pack to have as a, as a kid, right? um and you know overall that 91 show is always going to be entrenched in my brain due to the uh, big boss man Mountie um jailhouse match uh, but um that was that was probably the show that I've watched the most and of any wrestling show in my life because I just at seven I probably watched it you know three four times a week in parts uh and really that was where Right around that time was where I really became a huge wrestling fan, even though I had the Hogan toys and stuff when I was one, two years old. um, It didn't really click in my brain till around ninety one. And, uh, you know, this show and SummerSlam and '91 was really the linchpin to all of that.
1: Yeah, same here, man. I believe it was a Monday night, too, because that is my first memory, too. Um, like you said, like we're, we're Worcester-ish kids, so we're kind of the same area. But uh, yeah, 91's laying on my mother's bed watching it, and my father was like, "Oh, we're gonna, I'll, you can watch it later we're recording it. Get your fucking ass to bed, you piece of shit." <laughs> and so pretty much. <laughs> and my first, in my memory is, you know, the Ted DiBiase. I just remember watching the Ted DiBiase promo backstage with me and Gene, with Sherry. Was it still no? Was Sherry with him? Yes, because Sherry was with him because uh, in WrestleMania 7, she went with him that night after ditching the Macho Man. So, um, was the Macho, was Million Dollar Man and Sherry with me and Gene? That's my first SummerSlam memory. But I, I just have of memories. It's because the summer, you're home all the time, right? So, you're watching the superstars as a kid, and you just remember the build up to the SummerSlams. If it's Lex Luger, if it's Wembley, if it's the Hearts, if it's fucking even King Mabel. Why is this guy in the main event? And then, you know, the boyhood dream, the summer the summer of that. And then you get you get in the hot and the heavy, spitting on Sean. The match, you know, the hard way to hell with the ACDC song Undertaker and Austin. And then you get the, the ladder match and then the TLC2. And then, geez, just I remember the invasion. And then now we're in 02. This, this is my just childhood leave-in to everything. So, yeah, all I even dating my wife in the summer of 05 for the first time i remember All right, hey we're hanging out tonight i got to watch hbk and and then uh hulk hogan and that's just me kind of being kayfabe in the wrestling before i get her pregnant right away you know kind of one of those visions locker in you know the motto you know what i'm saying <laughs> so i had to hide the wrestling a little bit and be like hey i gotta go hang out with skeets a little bit because uh you know i'm gonna go watch uh, hulk hogan versus hbk at his house so uh, <coughs> SummerSlam S- Res- summer and wrestling is always kind of I mean, SummerSlam in summer has always kind of been my niche. So I'm excited. you know, just um, early memory for me. All right, Damato, what is your favorite SummerSlam event out of the 35 or so that we've been, we've had? Well,
3: I'm, I'm going to just follow my gimmick and uh, go with uh, season uno right, right away. Even, even though I wasn't a huge, uh, warrior guy, but when, when uh, hockey talk man said, give me somebody out here to wrestle. And, uh, and, and Ultimate Warrior came and uh, the crowd uh, just exploded because cause I'm big on, uh, you know, crowd reactions. And it, even right though here. the, the Warrior is not one of my guys, i uh, not not a big fan, but uh, but that moment was uh, incredible. And and, and, that, and that's uh, that was a, it was a big thing towards the uh, same, oh, you know, making SummerSlam uh, like a big event. And and that's why you know, they've done it every year since then. Uh, that, that was one of the big reasons, even though, like the undercard was a little meh and. Uh, but but it was uh, moments uh, that make uh, Summerslam uh, memories.
1: Very cool, Rocco, well How about you? You know, can can we get something out of the fucking eighties from YouTube?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be. I mean, the first three, uh, those are just pure happy moments. But I'll go deeper. I'll go two thousand and one. I remember really thinking this is like post invasion and or during the invasion, and this is post ECW WCW thing where you really kind of thought like anything could happen with all these dudes and you didn't really know like i wasn't that critical of the invasion when it first started happening because i was like whatever dude i'm just gonna fucking watch and enjoy who knows things take time much like we were talking about triple h things aren't gonna happen overnight they got a million dudes but when you look at that card it's like wow dude there's so many fucking dudes on that card that fucking rule and i remember being like this this is the uh we we could be on the precipice of something fucking amazing and i i like that card a lot there's a lot of like all-time dudes for me on there so that one always seems really important, and two as well. When you get that, like, last Bastion of the Rock kind of, like, being there too, uh, those two, I'll say, are also cards I really like, but honestly, I'd rather watch 88, 89, and 90.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rossi, what's your favorite SummerSlam?
0: <laughs> All right, so right off the bat, I um, I have special favoritism towards uh, 06 and 17, because I was at those two. Um, 06 especially, um, yeah. because... That was the last Hogan match um, against Orton. Um, And I remember the build to that was so goofy and fun that, you know, it was really cool being in the building that night, sprinkling a little bit of Edge and Foley um, early in the show. Um, And that was really a a fun event. I mean, Cena, Edge main evented that, um, you know, electric crowd in Boston that night. So that one sticks out in my mind. Um, And then 17, I took a trip down to Brooklyn um, the night after uh, Undisputed Era debuted for TakeOver. Um, I was in I was in the arena that night um, for it was a decent show not a great show um, but my favorite one overall um, I'm gonna say 2013 uh, Punk and Brock one of my favorite WWE matches of all time I know it's probably it's not like a five star but it's a good four and a half um, and Cena Bryan also with a really cool Orton cash in at the end um, those two definitely held that card together the rest of it was kind of crap but. A little bit. Del Rio and, and um, Christian wasn't bad either. But um, but those two matches were two of my favorite SummerSlam matches ever. I remember being super excited for that show back in 2013. And, you know, it still holds up to this day because those two matches fucking ruled.
1: Yep, those are good picks. All right, so I was at the 06 show with my brother, Mikey, his last wrestling event ever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that like you said, that crowd was electric. Cena Edge won in Cena's hometown, and then the next month Cena won in Edge's hometown. So that was booked pretty cool. But yeah, that crowd was for that main event was huge. The Hogan's last WWE match. So very cool, very cool. I attended I didn't attend 17, I attended 18, and that was a wet fart of a SummerSlam. And then I attended last year's and just the whole the Brock surprise and the Becky surprise. Pretty good Rollins Edge match, pretty good Roman Cena match. And a pretty, you know, not a bad, not really a bad match on that card. Besides, really Alexa and Eva Marie, but that was what, three minutes, so whatever. You know, so that was a pretty mid SummerSlam with two really cool surprises and two very good matches. But I got, we got to go O2 boys. That's an all-time pay-per-view, yet alone top to bottom, it's great. Opens with Kurt, opens with Kurt and Ray. You get HBK's return, and then on stage match for Triple H. You get the Brock win over The Rock. And then you even have, like, Eddie RVD or Eddie and Benoit. No, it was, what, Benoit and RVD and Eddie Flair, was it? I don't remember. But anyways, no, Jericho and Flair. Anyways, it's a star-studded event, and Stone Cold wasn't even on it. It's a great – that's probably the the best SummerSlam, in my opinion. 13's also great, like Rossi mentioned. And then the earlier ones, too, and then 91, 91, of course, in my heart. Sentimental for many reasons, and then 92 stinks, but it's really cool being within Wembley. And then you know, that's kind of kind of be buzzy here 30 years later going back there next month, but that's next month. But overall. Yeah, SummerSlam is a great event, and I would go 0-2. All All right, Damato, what's your favorite match? Is it is it you know what is it like the the Rougeos versus the Bushwhackers or something from ah, SummerSlam '88?
3: Come on, man, you're stepping on the you're stepping on the joke, man. I was like I was gonna go in 1988 so season uno, Ken Patera versus uh, Bad News. nah, come on, I'm just all right. That's enough of that. Uh, it would be the Cena AJ Styles from 2016. They they get a little blurry because I went to all the four in Brooklyn. As a matter of fact, I, blah, blah, I don't like to make it about me too much, but I'm on a nice uh, summer slam. Uh, this is turning into my permanent vacation because I, I went to the four in Brooklyn and uh, Toronto last year in Vegas. So uh, so if you, you skip 2020, I'm on a, a streak. Yeah, yeah, even though it wasn't much of a card, but definitely the best is uh, 16, uh, uh, Cena and AJ. The, that that might be just even the
2: greatest match I've, I've ever seen live in general. So
3: just uh, just tremendous.
2: All right, so <laughs> it's gonna be the first match on the first card. Uh, first match, sorry, the main event of the first card uh, was such an important match to me as a kid. Very uh, groundbreaking, and watching Liz like do that for her man, like take over the show, is so out of character for her. And watching it as an adult and like really analyzing it and breaking it down, it's even more wild to think, you know, she was kind of like. Uh, We got Goombas on the show. So maybe like when Ray Wayota's wife hides that gun down her panties and Goodfellas. (laughs) Like, this is a moment where the woman is stepping off for her guy who fucks up a bit, but she loves him more than anything. So watching that as a kid, she was a favorite of mine. Watching that as an adult, it just is such a cool moment for a character that, you know, has cool moments that are usually not her. She's not the catalyst for the moment. It's usually her reacting. So it was very cool to see her be a catalyst for such an amazing moment. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. And if you want to just go pure, like, exciting match, Brian Cena, 2013. Yep.
0: Bossy, what you got? All right. So I'm going to go back to 2017 because, um, yeah, I was in Brooklyn that night, and it was a 13-match show. Um, Felt like it was 46 matches um, (laughs) during times of it. Um, really good um, main event of the pre-show with the Usos and New Day, like legit, like maybe my favorite match by those two, um, which was sort of SmackDown title. It was like 20 minutes. The crowd was electric. And then they opened with Cena and Corbin, and the crowd was hot from there. But then the crowd died mm. because there was a lot of bullshit on the show. Um, but there's never been a more nuclear crowd in my life that I've been in that's not a mania crowd. Then in the main event between Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, and Samoa Joe in a fatal four-way for the Universal Title. Um, if he and Lesnar had lost, he would have had to leave. Him and Heyman would have had to left WWE. Um, this match was fucking awesome. Like Saul, I had it at five. I think Meltzer had it at four and three quarters. Um, Twenty mid 20, 21 minutes I think it was. Match was fucking brutal. They they were hitting on all their spots. These were four mooses that were just perfect together on this night. Um, I I love this match. I watched this match so much because um, it just is a perfect mix of these four guys. It's the first time you saw like, like a Joe in this environment with these guys. And Joe's one of my favorites of all time. So I love this match. I loved everything about it. Um, And I really think that this is a match that, you know, anybody in any era can watch and enjoy. Um and it woke up a dead crowd after a gender a really bad gender mahal Shinsuke match. Um, <laughs> so I think that you know this was definitely um the match that made this show a memorable one when without this it would have been complete dog shit. Nice. Good, good call, good call.
1: All right, fuck. This one's hard. Um, you know what it's not gonna be real quick? Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. That's still cage matches overrated. Four stars. <laughs> it's so blah fucking you guys just put a fucking heart around it because it's a heart in there jesus christ yeah. all right anyways enough about that rant i don't like bright but anyways um ah so many good ones Cena, aj brian brian cena Bro- punk brock the four-way anything but to me it's the return of hbk it's you know he was my guy when i was a kid I was in high school still, so I was still kind of a kid. I was still a fabe in a way. And just watch just the excitement of him coming back and, you know, and, oh, is his back going to be all right? And then that dickhead Triple H and oh, Triple H is going to squash him. And then, you know, it's not that crazy. It's not masturbatorial. It's 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 just. Just enough of that medicine and just enough there, but that's my favorite Summerslam match. The unsanctioned Shawn Michaels versus Triple H SummerSlam O two. With a close second Bulldog Brett, because I just shit on Brett, so I might as well give him also, give him some love there. It was more of a uh, Owen shit on because, you know, whatever. Anyway, so that's our favorite, our first and our best, our Summerslam moments and matches. Speaking of SummerSlam, guys, let's hit the preview. All right, guys, this is a raucous. Wait, hold on, I got to edit that. Nine-match card, right? I'll let it All right, guys, this is a raucous. Nine-match card. Ugh, we got the main, starting at the top, boys, the main event, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the undisputed wwe universal championship last man standing now they claim this to be the last time ever i don't know if we will believe them but so they claim i kind of hope so and i kind of hope it's delivers we've gone as we've been doing pay-per-view previews for over a year now on this network and we've chronicled this these two up and down up left and right so Been there, done that. They've they've seemed to probably take up 10% 10 to 15% of my airways on this network. So there's been highs, there's been some lows. There's not much interest left, but at the end of the day, I I think that with this "quote unquote" last man standing and the intrigue of theory coming out, and you know the new curved rules, you know Montez Ford got a little busted open. You know, we're going PG 14, TV 14. Well, you know, let's put this out with a banger. We had a house show angle that the motto was at right before WrestleMania, where they, you know, they hinted that this that's this was going to actually be a blood feud that it was been building up. We didn't get that at WrestleMania. We just got an okay match where they went home eight minutes early, but they weren't gonna bleed anyways because Nick Khan said no way because of our sponsors. So unless if Nick Khan gets in the way again. I think they—they—they they, they have the recipe to go out there and have an absolute war in a banger. And let's get creative and split these belts. Triple H, <laughs> I've been saying it all along. Damato, what's going on with this match? You excited? Is this your most anticipated match on the card? You're going to be there, so is it?
3: Uh, it is not. But uh, they, they're as a matter of fact, Mike just brought a little uh, optimism back because he—he brought—he brought up the uh. The 2017, uh, uh, swap, uh, or 18, I, I forget what the is. 17. Okay. He brought about, he brought that, uh, that slot where there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of bodies flying. There's gonna be a lot of spears into, uh, walls and tables and sorts like that. So at least, uh, the, the stipulation will uh, bring something uh, different than the, uh, the previous uh, 19 matches. And, uh, and yes, also with the, uh, the new, uh, the, the, the new, uh, reading, the PG-14 that's uh, coming on the uh, uh, SummerSlam, uh, and maybe that'll uh, b- bring a little uh, some juice or, or some some violence uh, that uh, everybody's been craving. So, uh, not the most optimistic, but not as uh, pessimistic as uh, as everyone is. Like, like, oh, you know, these two again. So, at, at least the stipulation will uh, will bring something different. So, I'm I'm, I'm I'm looking to see them do stuff that they haven't done in. Uh, and in, in those other few matches, and and, and yeah, they'll that, be perfect if they could build it like a like that four way, and uh, just just have a lot of uh, a carnage and a you know, a, a lot of distractions uh, uh, to build up to uh, some big spots, uh, and hopefully unique spots that, that we haven't seen before. So a little optimism for that.
1: You get a little more flexibility with the ten count where they can go out there and have an absolute like brawling style. Rocco, you you know you're a brawler like are they gonna go out there and live up to the hype or are they you know like i'm over this but i i'm excited for it if that makes any sense
2: yeah i'm more of a ruffian but yeah um or street tough um it's (laughs) kind of like a do over from mania right you get a little bit of a that match was we all kind of i mean i was pretty drunk by the end of that so i don't even remember that but i heard it was not that great i'm just kidding i did watch it and rerun but this is like a little throwback because we had problems with that. So you get one more. Uh, yeah, they fight a lot, but their matches are always kind of fun. Um, I really liked Roman doing that thing that I think we've talked about that I love where he comes out, he gets his pops. But then he did that thing on, on last night where he just goes on Monday night where he just says, I'm done talking. And then he gives it to Heyman where it's such a he's so able to do the things that get the pops. And yep. makes people excited to see him. And then he's like, well, I'm, but I'm not going to talk to you guys, so go fuck off. And it's such a perfect little thing that I love that he does. And he still has those little scared moments of Brock kind of things. So I think it's really cool. I would love a scenario where Brock wins. And then maybe we'd get a little tr- attempted cash in by Theory. And he gives them the Brock Orton SummerSlam treatment. And just fucking elbows Theory's fucking head to, to mashed potatoes and gravy. So, uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm hoping happens. But I'm excited for the match. I think it's going to be brutal. And it's
0: gonna be awesome. I, I've I've said this I've said a ton about this. Like this, like Tarako said, this is the makeup for the mania match getting fucked up. Um I love the idea. Um it's wonky, they normally have um last man standings in WWE almost always deliver. Um these two can just have an uptick. Hopefully there's no injury scares and they don't have to, you know, rush to a finish. Um but they definitely need part um, after this one, he definitely adds a little element to it that you know we may not have been expecting when this was announced back in You G- definitely think that there's gonna be a very good plan in play um this is gonna probably be Paul Heyman's baby with with triple h overseeing how it all goes um so that's a good thing I mean heyman is is who I would want to book a match like this when everything else that they've been doing has been kind of ad nauseum at this point. So this is definitely a much, um, they're going to have all the big boys involved with this one. Um, there'll be some creative ideas that we haven't seen yet. Um, because that's what tends to happen with this stuff, this stuff and these last man standing matches. Uh, I don't do like the, the table held them down. So that's why he he didn't answer to the 10 count. Um, But there's so many different layers I can go with this. I'm super excited for it, um, but I I never want to see it again.
1: (laughs) All right, well, we'll we'll go Theory. You know, are we going to see Theory or is Lashley? We're going to get into Lashley Theory in a second, but are we going to see Lashley? Are we going to see Theory at the end of this match? Are we going to get like a fake out or is he just the kind of just they flirting with it and they're just giving him a lot of tv shine for us to get used to him what do you what do you guys think of theory damato you think we're gonna get him you're gonna be there if theory comes out with his little briefcase you gonna be excited
3: uh i not i wouldn't say excited but uh what they're doing with them is uh has been uh, interesting, although about uh, what was it about 55 minutes uh, from eight to eight fifty five? He got quite a, quite a lot of TV time yesterday, but most of it was getting his ass kicked. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but here 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 it is. Uh, I'm, I mean, for years everybody's been saying, oh, they they push the same guys, and we see the same you know boring matches. That, at least they're trying to to push to push somebody new. He's got a he's got a great look. He's decent on the stick, so. You know, I, I'm willing to give the, give the guy a guy a chance. Uh, most of his segments are, uh, are entertaining, and uh, and and I do think we're, we're going to get to see it on uh, on Brock, and then uh, Brock, Brock will probably disappear, and uh, and Roman will probably get the uh, the title back in a uh, in a couple of weeks on SmackDown, and uh, so they can set up their Drew thing the castle that which they've been building for you know pretty much since after WrestleMania.
1: Well, that was our U.S. title. Th- you know preview right there because I don't, <laughs> there's not much to preview they had a pretty good yeah. match at, they've had a pretty good match at at money in the bank and then after that they kind of like oh you guys are gonna go again at SummerSlam. and then theory's been feuding with ziggler theory's been feuding with Heyman. he's been feuding with the usos he's been flirting with bro get the shit kicked out of a brock Roman's been dissing him, and he lost his fucking daddy, and he's taking up 60% of our TV. And I'm not really mad at it. I like Theory. Yeah, he's. He, I cannot. Real. I don't think I can picture him as WWE champion come Sunday. But you know, they keep throwing you on his TV screen. You know, he eventually falls into the role after you know, in in a way. So I don't know, Rocco. Do anything about the U.S. title or this or Theory? What's your thought?
2: It just seems strange to me that the dude who's got the title, we have no idea how he thinks about any of this stuff. I maybe I missed a promo or two, or I don't think I did, but like he just put in these matches and he has this dude running around who's he beat (laughs) and he's got the the briefcase. And Lashley's just quietly just existing, you know. It's very, it doesn't that title means seems to mean nothing, you know, like it didn't even. do you understand what I'm saying? It just seems inert. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. And I don't know how Ashley feels. Does he want to kill this dude? He doesn't really seem to like want to beat him up because he beat him. And now he's got to fight him. Yeah, it just doesn't have really much anything that I could really grab onto other than the mystery of, I guess, what's Ziggler doing there? I don't know. Like, who really fucking cares? But yeah, uh not much on the bone for me to pick at.
1: Yeah, there's just not much there. That's why we're going to. Rossi, any theory thoughts before we move on?
0: So is there? And I was thinking about this watching Raw this week. Is there a lane where Ziggler actually helps Theory? Yeah, in some way. Um, that almost feels like the path we're going, and and kind of that that kind of brings you back to the old um like the whole rumor that there was Adam Cole that was going to manage uh Keith Lee. It's a good spot because Ziggler's kind of lost. Um, a guy like Theory could work um, a lot better with a much stronger mouthpiece like a Ziggler. Um, I, I'm starting to think that they're going to go that route and just kind of have like that vet presence with theory moving forward. I mean, I don't think that that's like a main event angle, but it could be something that, you know, causes the U S title to change on Sunday. I, I can't really see the theory cashing in yet. It just seems like it's out of place. Um, they, they've almost hyped it up too much, right? Like, like normally, Cash-ins are mysteries to us, or there's a subtle tease if it's like a raw match, they pop a rating. Um, But normally when they go full bore with somebody cashed in, it doesn't actually happen. Um, But I can see him beating Lashley with a little help from Ziggler, Um, and that could be kind of a fun way to, you know, keep that feud going with a little bit added layers to it.
1: Yeah, man, I would not rule out like dangerous, dangerous alliance where Heyman just kind of grabs all these guys and throw them together. You got a mix of young guys, madcap theory. You got veterans like fucking Ziggler and name them. You know what I mean? And then Paulie just kind of he's moving on from the bloodline and he's just starting his own crew of just fucking guys. You know what I mean? And I can just see it. You know, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of not. But and you can just kind of see the pieces starting to fall into place. I can even see AJ Styles falling into that. He's on a losing streak, and they throw and they just kind of randomly. That's you know Ziggler and Styles is your Zabisco and in, in Anderson. You know what I mean? So, oh, I'm optimistic about it. You got then it's, Madcap is fucking it's Austin, and then you got. Your theory as fuck is is, is, uh, Rick Rude. You know what I mean? Fucking put it whoever is Medusa. And there we go. We're off to the races, boys. (laughs) Hmm. You know? So I don't know. But anyways, I'm not ruling that out, Rossi. I could definitely see Ziggler with him. But anyways, another rematch we have of WrestleMania is Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of a little topper where it's you know a year later it's you know they have that year, 20 what was it 26 seconds after that great pop and that big surprise and it was a curveball after Sasha Banks kind of flanked out because of vaccinations or COVID or whatever and then I don't know, we had our I I love the WrestleMania match between them I thought it was great and I thought it was a nice capper to it Becky's kind of just been on a little extension always entertaining to me and I think that she's kind of making this work but she has a little more swag on her so does that swag continue and just kind of triple h says let's go with our trusted veteran here let's get her hot let's kind of carry her through the end of the summer into the fall into the draft and so we lined up and it's just becky lynch baby face season and honestly i think bianca Belair. She's kind of made. She has two WrestleMania wins. And I wouldn't mind seeing a direction from her because she's starting to become substance less with, you know, just the fastest, the strongest, the EST, blah, blah, blah. I'm ready for her to evolve. I'm ready to see her to get a little, you know, a little more sinister. And maybe what else does she have in her? Because now she's very programming and very kind of by the numbers now.
2: I am very excited for the match. I mean, they had the my favorite match that didn't involve Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Um, I have really no interest in seeing a babyface Beck, Becky right now. I'd rather see kind of a new heel, maybe a Rhea Rhea, Rhea Ripley come in there and do something with a uh, with with uh Bianca and maybe give with having a faction could give her some more layers where maybe she gets some help or something like that. I don't really know how to figure it, but I am very excited for it. I'm just not into seeing another babyface Becky at this point, and I still like. I still like Bianca having the title. I think she's really just fucking awesome. And I think they really have a a a, a female John Cena train running through there. And uh, um, I think this one's going to be uh, has the potential to be one of the best ones. And I kind of like spiraling downward Becky Lynch. I want to see where that goes. So I'm still excited to see how they can play that out. So, yeah, probably one of the most I anticipated never... matches for me on the show.
1: That to me, it's not just samey, but Becky's so good at it you know i know it has the distractors but i think becky just hits everything whatever they give her she hits at least a double with it, a triple you know she's an all-time talent so whatever they give her she's gonna make work so no damato you know, where are you at with this
3: i'm uh yeah this is one of the matches i'm most looking forward to it uh i, I hear people complaining that you know it's the it's the third match and uh uh, t- yeah, too many rematches and yada yada but uh, if if they're great matches what is there to complain about like a perfect example the uh the the famous uh rollins uh cody trilogy which uh i'm, I'm not even a fan of either of those guys but i, I was at uh two two of the matches uh, and they were great you know probably the best on each card and, and of course the the classic hell in a soul match is probably the the match of the year so and i'm not even a fan of those guys so sometimes uh, you you do got to run a run it back uh, i mean you can't just have a, every great great match uh, a one-off you you, you got to run them back so i agree and uh, uh, yeah but uh i i think it's a uh, bianca all the way uh, she's got to win the feud because if be- becky wins then you got to go and then you got to go into the fourth and fifth match and then you know that might be stretching it a little bit so but but i i think uh you know, you know B- B- becky can handle it if uh if she loses and moves on to other things, you know, there's always, re- there's still big matches, you know, there's a return in Bailey, and, uh, there's all sorts of, uh, possibilities. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Bianca to win this feud and move on to, uh, to Rhea, the uh, like Rocco uh, was saying.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking too, like somebody, maybe this is a good spot to have somebody screw Becky. Um, Bailey, Becky is definitely the horse women match. That's been happened the least. Um, they have like one singles match on the main roster, and it was on a SmackDown. Um, so, the and they had they had a lot in NXT, but a lot of it was on house shows. So, they they have the most meat on the bone. Um, Bailey's got to be back at some point, right? She's been teasing it forever. Um, even if she doesn't like single-handedly cost Becky here, that seems like a good next direction for um, Becky. And I mean, think if you get Becky Bailey and Rhea Bianca going at it on Raw, those are two great women's feuds that you can lead into the, um, UK show. So, I um, and that UK show will probably have like WrestleMania length to it because of the amount of, you know, people, and they want to make sure that they have a big show for them. So Thank that's, I, I expect Bianca, I expect Bianca to, um, retain here. Um, but maybe there's some chican- chicanery to get, you know, Bailey involved in the finish here to kind of kickstart a feud or program that route.
1: Yeah, uh, it should be a banger regardless, guys. You know, it, if you're sick of them, if uh, it's it's probably it has a chance to be the match of the night, especially if the big boys don't live up at the end. These girls could sh- could save him again like they did at WrestleMania. But speaking of match of the night, guys, woof, money in the bank match of the night was the Street Profits versus the Usos. And that match didn't have Jeff Jarrett involved. <laughs> so here we are. Ain't he great? He's back. Jeff Jarrett is your special guest referee. If it makes sense or not for the Usos versus the Street Profits, so I don't know, guys. This is this. It was so good at Summer, It was so good at Money in the Bank, and I don't know if they can live up to the hype. We'll see. But fuck, I don't know. <laughs> if, if any two teams are gonna do it, I think it, it could be these two.
0: Yeah, I I think that, you know, the color that they gave, they gave Montez, whether it was intentional or not on Monday, just added to this. Um, But what I really, you know, we talked about two weeks ago, we talked about how, you know, maybe the referee is going to take away from this. And Jeff Jarrett, you know, it's crazy to say, I don't think he takes away from this because I feel like he's going to be able to, you know, be a near fall type of ref he's been around the business long enough i think he can do it but you also really don't know where his allegiance lies i mean he's jeff fucking jarrett you know he he could be dressed like a street prophet and then you know turn on turn on them two minutes in that's just the which you know i'd love to see him dressed like a street prophet but anyways um you never know where he is with this he could be somebody that was paid off by Heyman, he could be somebody that was paid off by the usos whatever um I I love the dynamic of them because it's so out of right field. Um, And these two are these two teams guaranteed to have a good match. Um, There shouldn't be enough hokiness with Jarrett that it takes away from the match. I mean, do I expect it to be as good bell to bell as they had at Money in the Bank? No. And that's strictly because to what I was saying two weeks ago, a full time referee is going to get the most out of those near falls. But it's a different energy. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to be equally as awesome to watch when all is said and done. It just might not be, you know, star rating-wise in the same boat that we were at for Money in the Bank. But um, two awesome tag teams. Um, maybe is this a time when, you know, we start to really push towards the street profits um, turn and heel, or, you know, one of them turning on each other? Um, is that the time now or is this kind of the last straw before it happens on, you know, the next night's raw or whatever. Um, There's a lot of different, you know, angles you have here. Um, Usos lose the title and they disappointed Reigns. Um, Then if Reigns loses the title and a cash in, do we have an opportunity or even to Brock, who knows? Then do we even have a, you know, a beltless, um, you know, bloodline (laughs) the following week? That would be kind of crazy. Um, but all, all bets are off, you know, with Jeff Jarrett involved, I have no idea where they're ending his year, but I'm excited to see it.
1: Now, now, D'Amato, do you think if Montez's Ford nose starts bleeding again, do you think Karen Jarrett's going to run in and get her white suit all bloody like the Ric Flair video?
3: Oh God. Well, Jarrett's going to be the big heel on, uh, on Sunday, but, uh, here I think he's going to remain a face and, uh, and I think the, I think the profits are gonna gonna go over and uh, uh, to, to bite off what, what Michael was saying. Uh, I don't, it's it's not gonna be a good as match technically because a lot of the spots they they're gonna kowtow out to uh, to re- more referee uh, related spots uh, with with Double J and uh, maybe uh, after the prophets uh, win uh, they, they could celebrate the uh, you know they could do their version of uh, with my baby tonight with uh, with Double J
2: and oh, yeah. uh, to, to please the crowd there.
1: Now, Rocco, do you sing with my baby tonight with your death metal band?
2: I sing it with my baby. That's a very strange thing that I do. I don't even have a tonight. Baby. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Can we stay off uh, of that? Can we stay off of that? I mean, if you could find them, I'm sure there's a couple out there somewhere. Um <laughs> But um uh, this the guest referee is it's one of my least favorite gimmicks. It's it's so. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm it's just like they don't act like any referees ever act. Like, they just, they're in people's faces. They're shoving them off for four counts in the corner. It's just so, uh, it's just such an unpleasant gimmick. Yeah. I i don't have any interest in seeing it. Um, These guys are great. It's like we were saying before about the, if it's a good match, it's a good match. You know, Uso's, uh, Street Profits, uh, street, street Uso's, Uso's New Day, like any of these matches, they're always good. But uh, yeah, it just, it just seems like they gave it a gimmick that's going to make it not that good. Um, hopefully they proved me wrong. I mean, I'm still excited for it, but I do love watching the ascent of Montez Ford. I'm really kind of hoping they could do a cool thing where he becomes a singles dude and they don't like make him break up with his tag team partner and, and, uh, genetic him out of there. Um, I'd love to see him like be a Royal Rumber, rumble rumble kind of dude or something like that. That's in the future. But yeah, I, I've been enjoying really watching that guy kind of come into his own as like, as, as he got bulked up and stuff and he always had the charisma now he's got the bulk. So I'm excited to see that. and uh, Always a fun match with these guys. So, yeah, I'm excited for it, but not excited for Jeff.
1: Yeah. Guys, so far, this card really isn't that bad, you know, but it kind of comes to a screeching halt a little bit here. We got the Miz versus Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, in a way, it, it could be okay. The WrestleMania match surprised us, but then again, it was, you know, it was a tag match, but and I don't know. Like, they're talking about balls too much, honestly. Like, it's awful. Awful. Yeah. It's just... Like, what are we like? What are we doing? Like then Miz uh, Maurice has like a like a like a purse ma- like that look like balls. I don't know. Like, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't know. But hey, if you haven't seen that Chiampa promo. After all last night, I, I, I don't know why or how, but I really enjoy that Chiampa with the Miz presence. Of course, it's going to lead to uh, Miz versus Chiampa match one day because obviously that's what that's what we're here for but i just i kind of like the loyalty chiampa is showing to the miz it is so out of left field where it's chiampa this rugged looking dude who's an nxt lifer who kind of gets shit on by the main roster guys in the past for thinking he's not as good as he is he's small whatever then you have the complete opposite you have the shiny wwe guy the miz the three-star general at best um Safe style, and then you get Ciampa out there breaking his neck every other year. So it's just like total opposites, clean cut, grizzled young. It's like it's kinda like me and Rocco walking the mall in a way, right? You got the <laughs> nice, you got the nice damper guy like me walking around with the beautiful wife, with the, you know, what every guy, you know, celebrity. And then you got Rocco, you know, looking like Ciampa, rough, tugged big beard, asshole, you know. Can you guys see it? Whatever. That well that's 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 not he neither here nor there. But um
2: <laughs> or no no hair, like yeah.
1: yeah it, it just reversed the role with I, I have the no hair, but you know, I'm, I'm the, the the sharp dressed man it, it, whatever. But anyway, no, an that that's the build for this is us veering off to talk about Chiampa. This build sucks um Paul should add interest to the card outside, and that's his role, but Triple H needs to talk to him and be like, buddy, we'll see how this goes, but we might start thinking about plan B, where you need to be in your lane as a heel, I know it's kind of, we have a handshake deal, but we gotta love you before we hate you, that's how it goes historically in a way. And I, you know I don't even he, he they bring up his brother and it's even molten hot and you know with the news of Triple H and Stephanie in the past talking to you know since in the last six weeks talking to Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Conor McGregor, Tyson Fury. So you know if they're talking to Logan if they're talking to Jake Paul, you are going to think that they're doing something. And then if you bring in Jake Paul, there's no way Logan's staying babyface. That dude Jake's Logan's a babyface compared to Jake. So if Jake comes in, they do something with whoever. That shit ain't going to fly, man. You know, I mean, like them as baby faces is just going to derail any program. So I don't know. I don't really have high hopes for this, but it could be fun. They got enough pieces. They got enough pieces there for it to get wonky. And, you know, the Mania match was a pleasant surprise. So I don't know what say what say
2: you, uh, Rocco, where are you at with this? Uh, the promo that he did, where he mentions his brother, really kind of shows how delusional he is about his image in this group. Where he just was like, "Yeah, like my brother is fought You're like, "Yeah, everyone hates your fucking family, dude." Like, I don't get that. You don't get that. That if less someone's a 15 year old staring at a YouTube video, they don't give a shit about you. It just shows that he's delusional in that aspect. I can't imagine this dude must be like to deal with in real life. The 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 balls talk is so in an era where they're talking about TV 14 coming or whatever. This is like tantamount to like. JBL like poop is poopy bullshit that they were doing when Cena was doing that stupid shit with the car and it's the same nonsense that it's like this is supposed to be an adult show. The sad thing is the crowd. Well, I don't know if that was real, but the crowd did seem to chant. But crowds just want to chant shit. It doesn't matter what the fuck it is. We just want to chant some dumb shit. Look at the Road dog's career. So, um, I like the champa Chia- Miz thing. It's kind of like a like a super villain in a like a movie that has a maniac bodyguard. So I like that aspect of that airing it's the best version of the miz i think you could kind of have if you're going to have something like that but this i have this fucking feud jesus christ i have no interest in this guy and i don't want to see him do anything so i might be uh outside um uh smoking crack during this match so
1: speaking of smoking crack tomato what do you uh what do you think of this uh
3: i i wish i was there with you because yeah this is this is one of
1: my uh this is one of my least
3: uh favorite matches uh a lot of the things you guys said, and what we talked about at the opening, uh, what's going to change with the uh, with the old man out and the new regime, and uh, the 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 buildup of the tiny bulls, that kind of plays to the old man's like uh, corny, uh, you know, shitty sense of humor. Uh, a lot of that stuff, uh, a lot of that stuff gets through. So yeah, yeah, it's not it's not good shit. And, uh, and and Rocco nailed it perfectly. Like that stuff, yeah, the, the crowd, you just want to chant and be into it. But you know, us, we're sitting at home, changing the channel, and fucking rolling our eyes. And uh, you know, and 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 saying, oh, what's uh, on uh, AEW on Wednesday? Uh, you know. So uh, de- definitely, uh, and and also uh, to ha- and also another problem that that hopefully the you know trips and Stephanie will rectify is, uh, you know, uh, people you know wrestlers having uh, too much creative control. Uh, uh, like you know Logan Paul uh, you know he, he's an asshole uh, you know and he he got a lot of people wanting to see his ass kick as a boxer because because he plays a heel and, and now he he wants to come into you know to this business and he and uh, you know and he's demanding to be a baby fist and he wants to create a control for that so uh, that that's why yesterday they had to open with the you know, him and Ms. Brolin, because they don't want to get that initial uh, reaction, which, uh, you know, was definitely not a babyface reaction. Uh, the Garden don't play that. You know, you got, you got to earn a, you got to earn it in this business for for the Garden. So it, it'll be what to see and uh, whatever. I'm uh,
2: yeah
3: definitely one of my least
2: uh, favorite matches on the card. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Mayweather, right? Where they, like the guy's whole gimmick is you want to see him get his ass kicked and he never does. Same thing with McGregor. Like, but they bring him in, and it's like, it's not how his character is. It's not why we see want to see him fight. And God, that's <laughs> mentioning Mayweather and that guy in the same sentence as boxers is fucking insane. But,
3: yeah. Yeah, to your point, Ryan, uh, yeah, yeah. the, the brother thing may, may definitely be a play, because it, it looks like their, their boxing and stuff has kind of jumped to shock, because – the, the the brothers got like a fight at the garden, and uh ticket sales must be tepid because I'm, I'm getting a lot of offers for like 50% off and uh, <laughs> 30% off tickets. Uh, and, and, they, and they must not, so their boxing I think must be on the uh, on the down low. So that, that's why they're trying to make that move. Uh, one already did, and yeah, the other may follow.
1: Would you go to that? D'Amato? How far away from you from the? guy
3: nah, definitely definitely not. No, nah, it's a, it's, a, it's only a, it's an hour train right. I do it all the time, but no, nah, definitely not for. For uh, any
1: Jake Paul uh, fight, no. A New York subway. That sounds
3: terrible. No, no, Long Island Railroad. Very, very safe. Uh.
1: Yeah, hide your wifes. <laughs> white collar, white collar. Rossi.
0: Yeah, like my my opinion of Jake Paul has changed since I kind of understand now why they're using him. Um, with you know, the gear up towards trying to get the young viewer back. For some reason, teenage people love this fucking guy. Um, I don't mind him. I understand the reason that he's there, but you know, that doesn't mean that I've wanted to watch his segments, but you know, when he first made his raw, first raw appearance in this build um live, it was the same night opposite the home run derby. They waited till after the derby ended. It was like the last 15 minutes before Raw. Um, went off the air and that was um, probably the highest rated final segment that they've had on raw in the last six months. Um, So they're doing, and it really peaked with like the teenage viewer um, doing some digging. This fucking guy's a two time uh, teen choice award winner for his um, YouTube channel. Um, So they, this is one of those situations like, when we just, I guess, have to accept as the, the wrestling lifer that this guy's not here for us. You know what I mean? He's here to bring that young viewer in and it's that piece of the card that there's going to be an influx of people much younger than us that might watch this show on Saturday night strictly to see Logan Paul. Um, so, I definitely can understand the frustration that everybody has in having to watch it, but you know, part of that TV 14 change is not gonna be even for us to see, you know, more more cleavage from the women on the show or more swearing. Swearing to us, I mean, look how many times we've sworn on this podcast. Like it's that's nothing to us, but to that teenage viewer, it might be the reason they watch it versus not watching it. So um, I'm intrigued by if they continue to you know get the teen viewer in by using a guy like Logan Paul but i just think we've got to accept as like the 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 viewers that are going to be there regardless that this is the point of the show that's not here for us it's here for you know attracting that younger fan base and it seems to be working for that um more so than i would have ever expected it to at this point
1: yeah i agree it is it just is what it is i'm um, it just What's next for Logan Paul past the Miz is what I'm more interested in. All right. But what's next for us is Riddle versus Seth Rollins. You know, this, if I had to put money down, this would be my match of the night. Just the build here is interesting. You got you the build as in Riddle ever since r- losing to Roman and really losing Orton as his buddy has been taking L's for the most part or beatdowns left and right. If he, he wins a few matches, but he gets a beat down afterwards. So there's definitely like a knock him down before we rise him back up to try to build the sympathy within him. But then you have Rollins, like the motto mentioned, lost to Cody three times in a row since WrestleMania. Before that, lost the Elimination Chamber. Before that, lost to Roman. So before that, lost to day one. So really, he's been losing all year. Riddle has been losing since the summer started. So both these guys meshing are kind of on the low, but you know, these are really two of the top five guys in the ring that they have right now, in my opinion. So, Oh, it should be a great match. I'm very interested in the kind of the finish. It doesn't seem like there's much story here yet, but the story will probably come out of this match. And I, you know, again, like the motto said earlier, you don't really get a one and done. I assume this is the start of the feud and I would if I had to put money down, I'd give it to Rollins and then kind of let R- build Riddle, knock him down and then build him up, build him some momentum out of this. It just doesn't seem like Matt Riddle season after that end of that six way match yesterday on Raw seems like, you know, they don't really he doesn't have to win right now in their eyes. And I could see Rollins getting this win, you know, really. So uh, know, let's say you, Rossi.
0: So it's funny, and and I had um uh, I saw something on the internet today that kind of made me realize that I was right in what I was thinking on Monday. And even though it's a probably a kayfabe interview, but I will get into it here. Um, I thought Riddle on Monday looked like a fucking moron. Um, he's he is just like like everything with uh with the KO show. Like, why was he trusting Kevin Owens? You know, you know, like he is so tied into the to the Orton thing that it's starting in my opinion to kind of hurt the character a little bit because while I definitely understand that you know the Orton thing was such a catalyst in getting him to the level he's at now when is he going to become his own man I mean Orton's gone he's not coming back anytime soon from what it sounds like yet Riddle is still you know harping back to RK bro every day um he's still hitting the RKO which I think is cool I just feel like he shouldn't be doing it in every match I feel like using it when he needs it would be better but to kind of so today I'm I'm messing around on the internet um I was in the car for a little bit and um Jerry Lawler was on Raw Talk last night and again this is obviously a kayfabe interview but there's some truth to it um he said let's face it Riddle's an idiot he really is (laughs) You know, most people live and learn. Riddle, he just lives. I mean, how long has he been around? He's been riding Randy Orton's coattails up till now. Now Randy Orton's gone, and Riddle's going to find out what it's like to make to have to try to make it on his own. Um, then later on, he was asked again, he goes, he doesn't have any brains. I mean, how dumb was that? That had to be the most outlandish setup, and Riddle fell hook, line, and sinker for it. And, I mean, that kind of just, like, confirmed, like, even if this is a kayfabe interview and that's what they want us to think, why do they want us to think that this guy's a fucking idiot? And, 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 you know, I get that there's some charm to it with him, you know, the lovable pothead guy, which, you know, I can definitely respect. Um, That's what he did in the Indies as well, but to a level, he still had that ass kicker to it. And I am just ready for that to be the nozzle to be turned on him, having more of a serious side. Um, And hopefully Rollins gets that out of him in this feud. I definitely agree that this is the first of what could be a few. Um, R- Rollins doesn't really have single match feuds, you know what I mean? He he tends to have the two or three uh, match feud, you know. And he did just lose multiple matches to Cody. I mean, so I think that you know Riddle should definitely is okay to losing this match, but you kind of have to be careful with how you do it. You can't make him look like a fucking moron when he loses it. Because they kind of fall back on that crutch too much. And I just think there's so many more layers you can go with this guy. Making him continue to make dumbass mistakes is not going to help him long term. There's certain things that we'll remember as a viewer and there's certain things that we'll forget. But if we're constantly watching this guy just pretty much, you know, hoping that his buddy comes back to save him. He's never really going to be taken to that next level, um, so that's what I'm hoping we see in this feud. But I, I do agree. I think that Rollins is probably going to win this first match.
3: Ah, oh, this, this is probably the match I'm most looking forward to, and uh, it's uh, it, either, either way, whoever wins or loses, it's, it's definitely going to be uh, one of the top to one or two matches of, of the night. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting because <laughs> Rollins is a. Uh, this Is about uh, you know all for his last 19 in uh, big pay per view matches and 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 so, and Riddle's uh, been taking a lot too so uh, the, the finish is going to be interesting uh, I I'll, I'll say they they finally uh put Riddle over in a big match and uh, I I'll hope. go I'll go with him but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if it went the other way because uh, I I got a lot of uh, faces uh, winning here so uh, you know eventually you know how things got to even up so. And to, to, to Mike's point It'll probably be a trilogy So so rounds may take this one And then riddle the next two Or whatever But I am definitely look
2: forward To a great match Between these two Yeah it's It is You know like we We've kind of been Become used to the idea That this is going to be A three match thing Or whatever So it kind of I mean like we said A good match is a good match But going into it You just wonder Because we're just so con, We're just so conditioned To it now That it kind of you're looking ahead instead of looking at the thing in some ways it's going to be you know these are two guys that are like it's going to be a, a crowd pleaser you know maybe besides the uh what oh, would yeah. have been the tag match with the, like we would have hoped with the, the you know like, this might be the two count you know almost three count extravaganza and it's going to be should be like a tough hitting hard hitting match and uh i think the crowd's really going to get into this one and i'm looking forward to it um I really agree with what Mike said about the uh, the the character of Riddle, where if you have such a punchable face, you can't act that dumb. You have to be <laughs> smarter. So you got to do some shit to be smarter than your dumb face. So um, what's like a cool move like he he outsmarts Seth would be a great way to start that. And it's more of a uh, not a battle of attrition, but yet he outsmarts him, which would be a, a cool thing for me. But I am also definitely looking forward to this. And this is the sl- like after uh, SummerSlam, we do get that little slow period. So, well, who knows now, but let's hope, you know, it's a cool three pay per view feud to have these guys because it's going to be uh, hard hitting, fast matches. And uh, it's, you know, it's not going to disappoint in that nature. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Now, Damato, I want a little project from you, buddy. Now, you've been to a lot of these shows, especially in the RK Bro era. I want you to temper Riddle's reaction coming from this, going into the show in coming out of the show compared to him with Orton. if I want to see if it's even in the same ballpark. So you're going to have to report back to us on that one, buddy.
3: All right. Oh, uh, uh, definitely. And and I predict that it
1: will be. A, I agree. Uh, I agree. Well, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any reaction for this match. <laughs> and that, yeah, and that match is for the SmackDown women's title. Ronda uh, Rousey uh, versus Liv Morgan. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's a there's such thing as like a Liv Morgan is a picture champion. She's not a video champion. I, I like to look at pictures with her as the champion. I don't want I don't like to watch videos with her in the champion. <laughs> you know, unless if we you know these videos. All right. Anyways, anyways, we're gonna keep this PG, guy So um,
3: it's an Italian girl from Jersey. You better be careful. How you think,
2: think about
0: her, man. Yeah. That's right.
2: <laughs> Just because she's taller than you, Ryan, you're a little uh, you're a little sour about her, but. <laughs>
0: We're gonna we're gonna have to call the last living Pauly to come take care of Ryan after this conversation.
1: has <laughs> got her own shit. But, but but Rocco is she taller than me if she's on her knees? But anyways, um, probably. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. But anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know. This matches. I just could give two shits about this. This is like oil and water to me. It could be okay. Uh, just give me ro- Give me live by a banana peel or, oh, and then just give me a freak out from Ronda later. Give, keep, give live the championship. She's doing okay. I shit on it a little bit, but she's doing okay. Um, just, I was, we going into the money bank. We wanted direction to change on Ronda and that, and that could have started. Let's just finish that here and get her
2: going where she should be. You know, but they're they're it's, they're not giving her anything. This is like a Ray Mysterio fucking world championship push where they're like, all right, like you gave you the big moment, but they're giving her nothing. Like, She's fighting a fucking babyface Ronda kind of thing. It's like, that's nothing. That's not a thing that people give a fuck about. Like if they really like you made someone your champ, it was a big fucking deal on social media. It was a big deal amongst wrestling fans. It was a big deal amongst wrestlers. Everyone was super excited because she seems like a really cool person. But like, what did you give her? Nothing fucking bullshit. You didn't even, you turn fucking Ronda, make her a face of a, a super heel, have her fucking attack her a few times. And people will give a shit about this match. Like she overcame an obstacle. But now, like it's just this weird nebulous fight that she's having that has no, no, no drive behind it. You know, maybe Friday will be something, but like I, I can't put this on live in any way, shape, or form. She's done everything she should have done since and during the whole her whole run here, and it's them who are just who are not bring who are not satisfying what we want to see from this feud, and they're failing her. She's not I failing. I don't think she uh, has it in her yet. It's too early. I don't think she has the depth within her. You know, she's still like a fucking... That's how you get reps. You got to get reps, right? So give her the fucking reps. She should be... That's the problem, is that they've marginalized so many of these dudes and and women and not had matches that, yeah, a lot of these people should have way more reps now when they're going to give them a fucking shot that they don't have. So... You know, sometimes you gotta give them the reps when they got the belt. I don't fucking know. It's not. <laughs> if You give me a time machine, I'll fucking give her fucking tons of matches and a lot more fucking chances to improve. But you know, it's not like they give them that chance. It's not like they give a lot of people that chance. They,
1: they've built her up through since the draft. They put her with. They flirted with Becky. She was with Becky for two months. They put her. She, with
2: had, three, she had good matches with Becky.
1: Yeah, they that's was a, that was probably a test. You know, that's what Becky wanted to do. She wanted to come back and work with the people that rose up when she was gone, and she's done that. And Liv kind of passed the test. She had two really good matches with Becky. She was always she was constantly on TV. And then kind of Stephanie became CEO and they made the moment about her. And it just doesn't feel like it's warranted, but there's I see it, I just don't feel it. Is that does that make sense to you, D'Amato? Like I see it like I can see it working I I feel I just don't feel like it is
3: Yeah I I'm, unfortunately I have to go against the uh, Jersey girl I'm I'm leaning towards uh, your way it's it, it it's 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 got to be more than just being uh you know she's a she's a great girl and everybody likes her and she deserves it you you have to deliver it in in the ring although she has delivered as far as the fan reaction
2: Oh, can't uh, deny that
3: Yeah yeah so uh, so she's got she she does get a star reaction and and they should have uh, emphasized more about how, how those matches with uh, Becky because those were her best matches. But other than uh, those matches versus Becky, she hasn't really delivered in the ring. That you know she's she's just you know a two star uh, like a natty type uh, wrestling delivers uh, your basic uh, wrestling school uh, moves. Nothing uh, out of the order. Nothing really pops. Uh, inside the ring so uh well you know we'll give her a pass because uh the the reaction is a, a star reaction there a connection
1: but,
3: there yeah but she has to she has to deliver in the ring and uh well i, I agree with rocco that they saddled uh with the with, with the rough one um, the first big feud is, is versus you know is face versus face which uh you know which is a death for a lot of uh you know matches and and feuds so maybe they have something up the sleeve where uh where ronda where turns here where where, where Liv gets the win and you know Ronda turns after, and then you know that'll that'll heat her up where, where she's going against the real heel. But uh, I, I'm sticking with the the prediction that I made earlier that this is where uh, where Sasha and Naomi come in and uh, fuck shit up, and uh, this, is, this is their big return, double DQ uh, action. That wave. would be cool. Yeah.
1: Now, can you imagine if they link if they link Bailey with those two and they like have an yeah. NWO takeover kind of thing? That'd be very stuff,
3: cool. Sure, sure. Very cool. Because so, also a uh, complaint about the card is yeah go ahead oh, I'm sorry Mike yeah a complaint about the card is other than uh, the the two women's matches uh, like I, I could use the third women's match that they should have built up like like a nice feud like they did earlier in the year with uh, with Sonya and Naomi or, or something like that like like build up a feud you know that didn't have that doesn't have to necessarily be around the belt that would have been uh, you know a good addition to this. You know, and maybe maybe as a tenth match, or a, or to replace one of the other matches that we don't care about.
0: My okay. thing here, too guys, is that like I definitely agree with what you're saying about Liv. Um, with they just haven't really given her the TV time that you, that I feel like she needs to kind of get to the point. Like like Ryan, you I know you went to SmackDown on Friday, right? Yep. They I thought they had a pretty good showdown, face to face in the back and not in front of the crowd because they like, didn't trust her. But the thing is, like, how do you gauge if she's the one without putting her in front of that live crowd? Um, you, there was a hot crowd that night. And from all, all reports that are out there, she's doing fantastic on house shows. The um, crowd's popping huge for her every town that they're in. She's doing good with merch sales but they're just not giving her that same opportunity on TV. And they don't, the thing is do they not trust her or they don't trust Rhonda. They don't trust both. And if that's the case, why is it the fucking match? You know what I mean? Like you could have easily just made this, you know, some other way of getting to a match of this magnitude. Um, Face, face normally ends one of two ways. Somebody turns heel or somebody fucks the match up. Now, to the Sasha Naomi point, that's obviously the the wet dream scenario here. That those are the two that come back under the new regime. Um, but there's always you got to worry about Charlotte too. Um, she's been out of action now since May, um, and you know Andrade's back on TV. Andrade's wrestling with her fucking father this weekend, so you got to think she's in town. You got to think she's going to be around to do something. Um, I expect her to be involved with this finish. Um, but is that going to be her costing Rhonda? Then Rhonda staying as a face and then Liv still doesn't look good coming out of that. Um, so it's really been a botch. I I can kind of, I see part of where it is with, you know, what you're saying, Ryan, but what sucks is like, you listen, I listened to her. She had interviewed for 15 minutes on McAfee's show last week. She was fucking awesome. She has such a lovable ca- chemistry to her, any conversation she's in. She's able to flow and, and make the – and she does – she did most of the interview in kayfabe too. So it's not like she was talking out of her ass. Um, she talked – I mean just her entire story about how, you know, who's the guy? I can't think of it. Is it DeMarco or whoever the guy that trains Triple H and Vince is? What, what's his name? DeFranco's gym. Yeah. DeFranco. DeFranco fucking pulled her out of Hooters and said, have you ever tried wrestling? Um, why aren't they telling that story on TV? That's as such a simple story of like an underdog becoming a superstar. Like why am I hearing about that on a Pat McAfee show and not hearing about that in front of a live crowd on SmackDown? She Mm. can deliver her own story in front of a crowd. If she can't, you would have never given her the title to begin with. Let her do it. If it means she's going to fail fine, but let her fail. Do not make it that you're going to dictate what happens with her before it happens um and just let the whole story play out let us know why we should be rooting for this girl and you know give us a reason to boo rhonda on saturday night um and cheer her i don't have that right now because i haven't been able to watch her in a ring do her thing the first week or so they did a good job with it was it kind of over the top and corny yes but it played up what she was but they should have kept going with that and told her story better. And that could have put us in a spot where this match would have a lot more heat behind it. That being said, I'm as excited to see how this match finishes as any match on this show. Because it literally could go a million different ways. And I want to mm-hmm. know if they're going to be behind her or if they're just going to go right back to Ronda. Um, or if there's going to be some bullshit involved. So while I'm not excited for the match, I am geared up for the finish and what they, what they decide to do and what string they pull.
1: All right Rocco, we shit on your ta- we shit on your state the last 10 minutes. What do you got oh, for?
2: It? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm super excited to see it. Like uh, I really agree with like a lot of stuff that Mike said. Um, um and what's thing that you don't have to have? You don't need a 20-minute fucking match every match. You don't need a a tradition you don't need the WWE current like back and forth feed bullshit. Like you could have a 5-minute title match. You could have her be a traditional babyface beatdown to a bigger person, and then she pulls out the win at the end. It doesn't have to be she hits her finish after a back-and-forth match, and I think that's the way to make this person a big thing that they could do, and they just never do that anymore. I'd like to see more of that. So, uh, like Mike said, this match could really fucking go anywhere. I don't want to see a 10-minute fucking match. <laughs> you know, I don't want to see a 15-minute, like, thing. I just want to see a nice, quick thing, and whatever the finish is going to be, it's it's kind of a fascinating, it's probably the most unpredictable match on the card.
1: Yeah, it, that's a really good point it's unpredictable even if we don't really aren't that hyped for or expect much but you know i am pretty hyped for this next match and it's happy corbin believe it or not versus pat mcafee you know i i don't suspect happy corbin to win but i don't expect this to barely be a stinker either the build's been kind of fun mcafee's been great that promo was electric the they gave the the i was like oh i saw Corbin sprinting out of the corner of my eye and then just watching him, no pun intended, punt McAfee out of his chair was pretty fun. And then the brawl afterwards. And really, what I wanted to see when I saw them brawling back there, as soon as they went through the curtain, I was like, oh, I want to see who's that gorilla. <laughs> you know, because it was the first night without Vince. So I was very curious who was going to be there, but they didn't show anyone. But um I don't know. I'm anticipating this to be great. And uh, I'm curious. Where McAfee's not gonna be in there with like a, a guy really his size. Corbin's got probably got, you know, six, seven, eight inches on him. So if that, if whatever, we'll see. But um I'm interested that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not gonna be not interesting either. So
0: I, I think uh like we've talked about this a bunch. Like McAfee's gonna deliver. He always does. Um this is a guy that, you know, he has a relationship outside the ring. He's gonna be able to put a fun match together with them. Um Corbin People shit on Corbin all the time. They say he's boring. The guy generally delivers. Um, He's not going to deliver you a four and a half most of the time. He'll be the accessory to it if it's a multi-man, sure. But he's typically not going to have the breakaway singles. And that's okay. Not everybody is, especially in that company. Not everybody's going to be able to. Um, But he's going to be able to give you a fun match. He's going to be able to give you a fun finish. His match with Drew at Mania was kind of a throwaway but it was still fun. Like there was still it was still well done. Um, Corbin never embarrasses himself. Um, even though the character can be embarrassing at times, he always makes it work to some degree. Um, the build to this has been awesome. McAfee's been gold on the mic. Corbin's been the slithery heel the entire time, which has made it awesome. Sneak attacks, things of that nature. Um, it's been a perfect feud to get, and I don't want to say the stink of Madcap. Off of him because that would offend Ryan greatly, and I know that. But they also took the stink of Madcap off of Madcap. You know what I mean? The, the goofy part of it's gone, and he's kind of been able to turn up the 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 Corbin, like the the dickhead Corbin aspect of the character now. Um, and I've I thought that it's been awesome. And yeah, McAfee's going to win the match. There's no questioning that. I mean, I haven't looked at betting odds. I bet he's probably. Minus a thousand, um, but it should be very fun. The crowd's going to be nuclear for McAfee like they always are. The crowd's going to be booing Matt Corbin out of the building. Super excited to watch this match. I think it's going to deliver, you know, at the highest level we can expect it to.
2: Uh, I agree. Um, one thing that's really cool is, like, we saw what McAfee in a stadium is. It's pretty goddamn electric with the music and everything, and you can't, can't deny how that's impressive. And it's, it's a, it really helped when he came out for media. And it's going to be really cool, which is one of those things. It's going to be cool to watch the crowd get really excited for him if they do, which I can't imagine they won't. And they've both been really great. And um, it's kind of fitting that you talk about this match right after the match we just talked about, where look how much they're giving this match in terms of backstory and meat on the bone, as we said before. For a dude who can't, if he wins, there's no future. He's just going back to being an announcer. There's so much they're investing in this match, but... Where were they? Where did they Why is this not in all, all uh, some of the other matches? So, to me, it's going to be a great a garbage brawl is one of the things they do best. You know, look at Jackass match at WrestleMania and the history of that company having great garbage matches. I'm sure it's going to be a fucking blast. But hey, man, like I could have used some of this uh, this backstory and TV time for some of the other matches that we talked about. But
1: yeah, because but because McAfee is so charismatic and trustworthy and compelling in a draw, that's why that's a, they give him the moment to
2: go out there and deliver yeah, yeah well i mean businesses should be looking towards the future and the future could be some younger people who might be in the main event of wrestlemania where i don't really think matt mcafee is going to be doing that but like you're saying hey they got to get people in the arena for this show right now too not just everything can't just be for the future so yeah either way it's gonna be fun as fuck mcafee's
1: also a guy that puts over all of their product on tv so might as well shine up homeboy speaking of homeboy what do you think about this motto? you pumped for this live
3: yeah uh that was one of the biggest shocks uh his reaction at mania uh to be to be in the building to see the the to, to see the the reaction uh, that was a star reaction that was great very, very surprising for you know for, you know people that downgrade him as you know he was just a shitty punter and this and that and uh, you know just a big mouth but uh whatever he has it he ha- he has the charisma and he has it he you know he's, he knows, uh, had to be successful he's you know he's still making money in uh you know in radio which is you know hard to believe so and you know mcafee's got that got something that you can't explain and and he's meant for this business and uh and and he's going to deliver and and to your point rocco it's you know when they have these these big cards you you have you have to mix it up you have to have a you know you know one celebrity match and you know one bullshit match uh you know with a part with a part-timer here and there and 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 McAfee, uh, you know looks like he's he's going to be uh, he's going to be with them for for the next few you know whether you like it or not so i think one
2: thing that's, that's underrated it. oh sorry i think one thing that's cool too when you're talking about the environment with him at Mania is this might be a, a little minutia but like hearing real music for a guy's entrance yes yeah, is... yeah it's Black something East, sure. special yeah and it's really cool and you could like maybe this is something that a triple h would come in and help do since he obviously is a fan of music and then not using so much cam music aew does it and there's they have a lot of success with that when you watch the crowd reaction so i think that that's was a, a big major, part of it yeah that was big yeah part. like it's uh, a, was a real white song it's
1: not blackies. yeah
2: white thread. yeah and everyone knows it and it's a big it's a fucking huge song and like you can i don't know what it to it and everything yeah and i don't know what it costs to get it i don't know if it's going to stay on the network it might be one of those one and done deals like they've done in the past but just to hear that real tune, like, that's impressive, and it really adds to it. So really cool, and I'd like to see him do more of that.
1: Well, I could shine a little light into that, whereas remember when he opened up SmackDown, I want to say two weeks ago, he didn't have that entrance. So maybe they can't play White Stripes on TV, because when he came out in Boston, they played the White Stripes. So maybe it's like a TV yeah. thing that every time they play it on TV, they got to pay for it, yeah. and then maybe they're going to they use that budget for the big pay-per-views, you know? Sure.
3: Tony Khan's going to tweet, you know, he's going to brag about how he, you know, his, his guys get all the music all the time because you know, <laughs> he's got the big bucks. Not like that failing, uh, disgraced uh, owner that had to retire.
2: <laughs> music rights are very fucking tricky, too. Like, Yeah. Especially, like, I mean, just having that weird Metallica cover the other day was, like, odd to me. But it's, like, it's a cover, so it costs less, and it's how you use it, and when you could use it, and how long you could use it. It's a very tricky situation if you really dig deep into it, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't even...
1: Fox thing too compared to like an NBC Universal and I don't fucking know. That just yeah. like an ice cream headache.
2: Yeah. But
1: um the last match we have here on SummerSlam is the judgment day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest versus the Mysterios. This is Dominic Mysterio's third SummerSlam in a row. Kinda impressive. Um uh, did you have you noticed, Rocco, him growing out that Eddie mullet? Does that, like, entice you? And that's really all we have for the build on this.
2: <laughs> it's a match to see his mullet. Um, That's actually kind of a contemporary style right now for dudes, too. It's, un- it's unfortunate. But, yeah, a lot of dudes have their hair that way. Um, he does nothing. Hmm? Are you considering it? I mean, I had that in, like, seventh grade, and it was awesome. It wasn't called a mullet back then. It was just called a badass fucking haircut that I had. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, there's a few dudes I really kind of care about less than that guy. Unfortunately, he's, uh, I don't know. Um, Ray too, has gotten a little longer in a tooth for a legend that they hold. They do a big MSG thing. They really don't treat him like a legend. Um, I like to see judgment. I mean, they should win cause they're the new faction and they're evil, mean guys. Um, I guess it's kind of more exciting to see what's going to happen with Rhea and, uh, Eddie's daughter at this point than it really is for this match. Um, the fact that he's been in three summer Slams is crazy to me. I didn't even realize that, but yeah, I mean, I'm, it's going to be interesting. Eh, I'm not really that interested in this match. Sorry. Do you, D'Amato, do you think we see edge? I hope not. Cause that would mean the
3: Mysterios would win. Uh, I, I think judge judgment day needs to, needs to win in this. And, uh, this is not a, not, not, not a fan of either of them Mysterios or, or this. Yeah. The, ju- judgment day needs to win, uh,
1: because out of all that, Finn needs to
3: to to get something uh, going here, coming out of SummerSlam.
1: Now, now two things, tomorrow. Do you know Finn is four years younger than Rey Mysterio? That's fucking crazy.
3: Yeah, and and also, did you guys see how they uh, they punked uh, Mysterio at his anniversary? And uh, Mysterio supposedly had a party, and, uh, you know, and and his boys were a little slow to help him. Uh, <laughs> there was one boy that came out at the end with a Javi Baez a uh, Mets jersey and. Uh, you know, heavy who was a horrible met
1: for about 2 months last year which is you
3: know embarrassing
1: that yeah, was on he was on sale at Marshalls what do, you know what do you expect
3: it was embarrassing how he got punked at his own party like that uh, and Dominic
1: to you know to get you know
3: for a female not to be a uh, you know misogynist or anything but uh, you know he pretty much got got punked by Rhea one on one out of that that was a that was a disgraceful segment and uh, but ho- was... Hopefully Judgment Day uh, goes over. The Less said about that, the better.
1: No, Damato. Remember in our, the other thing I was gonna say is remember our WrestleMania preview where I predicted this whole Judgment Day thing to happen. You x nade my you yuck, uh, yuck yeah. my yum. The the the,
3: the, the edge thing, uh, the edge ruined your uh, your stable there, but that was that was a good call there. So scoops, you you uh, you redeemed yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like uh, after that happened, I feel like I was on the mountain of omnipotence.
3: Yeah, well, you know, just be careful. Pat on the back is a few feet away from a kick in the ass. That's a famous,
1: famous gorilla saying. I know. I'm only kidding. But, um, I don't know. Like, is there any way Edge comes back and saves this Judgment Day shit? Not like joining them, but at least makes them interesting. I don't know, Rossi, what do you like? What do you think of that? Like, is this dead in the water? What?
0: I don't think it is. I feel like it was kind of in a holding pattern without Rhea because I feel like she's such a key aspect to it at being like the one real true young person in the group. Right. Cause even though priest is still kind of new to TV, the guy's almost 40 himself. So um, obviously Rhea is going to be the one that they're going to build the biggest profile out of this when all said and done, while just kind of elevating the other two to that next level um, that they kind of should have already been at. Right. Um, but I mean, I definitely think Edge is going to come back at SummerSlam. Um, all the rumors that were kind of coming out in the weeks leading up to um, MSG was that Edge did have travel booked for the show, and then um, the day of, somebody reported it might have been SAP that uh, you know that some aspects of the travel were canceled. Um, I think that was strictly because they're saving the pop for the stadium. Um, I mean, Metalingus is one of the coolest entr- entrances in WWE history um, with the way that it starts. I mean, you, he's known for those big return pops. Um, MSG crowd would have been good for it, but it'll be better with, you know, 35, 40,000 people in the stadium. So um, it doesn't have to be until the match ends. You know, they could I'm have, just gonna add that. Yeah. yeah, they could be throwing the beat down in um, or uh, maybe we do get a Dominic heel turn and then Ray's getting beat down. And that's when edge makes the save. Um, there's a couple different ways they could go with it. That doesn't involve the match actually getting fucked up. Um, I definitely think judgment day has got to win, especially after the Mysterio's pulled the W on Monday. Um, I mean the 20th anniversary, they like to do that shit. So, um, judgment day should get their heat back here with a win, whether that involves a a Dominic turn or not. Um, I do expect regardless there to be the edge return though. Um, post-match.
1: This is also an ODQ match. So that, that adds a little more substance to, the match, but that's our SummerSlam card. Uh, but before we get to SummerSlam, we have a pretty cool donny Brook, they would call it on SmackDown with Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre in a number one contender, Universal WWE Undisputed Championship match, and it is called a good old fashioned donny Brook. So, um, these guys are fucking hogs. They go out there, have banger after banger after banger. This, this match, if it were, you know, TV's going to probably hurt it, but this match really could steal the weekend. And I kind of like the Friday night buzz. And then you have his spoiler McIntyre's winning this, but anyways, so then you have yeah. the speculation of McIntyre leading, you know, he ain't going to do anything, but could he show up? They threw him in the ring with theory on fr- on Monday could they kind of be little hinting of a little McIntyre theory? Like, eh, it's not your time, homeboy. And that's how you get the briefcase. Could he McIntyre just make this last man standing match more busy? And then could we go off the air with McIntyre staring down Roman in a way, too? So I kind of like how this is the night before SummerSlam, just to add intrigue and more, like, angles into that intersection. You know what I mean, D'Amato?
3: Yeah, the, uh, the 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 matches is going to be uh it's going to be good good TV uh, at least. Uh, they they stretched it out all month for uh, cuz they they still have to uh, you know feed their master on Fox and uh, and get the Smackdown ratings. So it it'll be good for that. Uh, and Sheamus and and uh, his crew with Ridgey and uh, Butchie uh <laughs> the Ridgey and Butchie going to get thrown around by Drew and uh there's, there's going to be a lot of meat and then – that's a quality uh smackdown main event and uh yeah they're just kind of stalling drew because for the big uh clash in the castle and uh you can say what they want but it looks like uh they, they pretty much got like about fifty thousand uh tickets sold for the for the clash in, in the castle out of like 60 so uh, business is uh is good no matter what same thing with uh you know the Summerslam; they got about a uh, thirty thirty five thousand uh out of 40 uh so even in a down period, business is still there, and uh, they have to do certain things where they where, where it's frustrating. Where they, where they build matches for TV instead of the uh, pay per view, like, like this is an example. I, I, don't, I don't even think we'll probably see a Drew at uh, in Nashville, but uh, they're, just, they're just gonna keep them on this and then uh, uh, cool them off till uh, till it's ready to build up for the clash.
2: Yeah, they've been doing a really cool job of getting those big fights on SmackDown, you know, making it seem kind of important. Um, Kind of maybe would have hoped like a a Walter, like an intercontinental champion would be a big thing on one of these uh, on a Friday night too. Gunther, sorry.
3: Hopefully they add that as a 10th match now. Maybe Friday, I'm holding out hope that they add Gunther and uh, Nakamura. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice.
2: Yeah, it would be nice to have a uh, your, your titles represented at your biggest event. I don't think they give a shit about that. But, um you know, these guys, you know, if you're a fan of like dudes beating the shit out of each other, they're always delivering. And uh, if it's going to lead to like a really kind of think Drew, since I think we talked about it once, Ryan, about how he kind of got fucked out of his big moment and his big year of being the champ. So I, I'm, I'm good on him. Hopefully he's going to have that coming soon. I don't know when it's going to happen, but. Um, maybe this is the beginning of it happening. So yeah, I'm um, definitely excited for it.
1: Ross, do you think there's any juice left in the McIntyre squeeze?
0: I do. I mean, saving him to have the title match at the UK is definitely the way to go. Um, he should even win it. Um, and, and I mean... You don't even have to guarantee him a year long run. I mean, if it's flat, then it's flat, but give him the go with it. Um, he was as hot as possible going into the pandemic. Um, the way that they booked him in that rumble was beautiful. Um, so let, let's give it another go. Um, I, I just want the titles off of reigns and not just because I feel like, well, I mean, eight, I want the title split regardless, but if he wants to keep the universal, that's cool. But um, I just want some new blood there. I feel like reigns is at the point isn't needed. And, and I just want to you know see McIntyre you know with the title, get that huge pop that would be a really cool moment, um, which would should be a really awesome wrestling weekend between you know Labor Day weekend with this so um i I think that they should you know put the put the belt on them once, see if they have it I mean you can always pivot back off of them if it doesn't work out um, but give them a shot like don't just you know shitty book them, get rid of the fucking sword too over mm-hmm. at it
2: absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So fucking stupid. Uh, Like you're saying, Mike, about the splitting the belts too. It's just it seems right now like no one the the belts are on one dude and the dude's barely there. So like, why are these guys? What? Why are they at work? What are they doing every week to go there? It just seems like they have no purpose. There's just a lack of like, why do these guys go to Friday and Monday to work when there's just to have fight their the people they work with? It just seems so. Inert in terms of how that's working and it's like you they really do need to split it because then you don't they they just don't have a fucking purpose that drives me nuts but yeah i do want to see a split too i agree i've been saying the whole
1: fucking time split the damn belts back up all right so that's what we got for this weekend in wwe tv oh guys should be a great weekend damato you're going to be in nashville i'm going to stay in massachusetts rossi's going to hampton rocco Yeah, is that shitty, shitty New Jersey doing whatever the fuck New Jersey people do? But (laughs) uh,
2: (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, guys. We help uh, Boston women relocate to a better place. (laughs) All
1: right, Rocco, enough out of you, but actually not yet. So Rocco, what do you got for your rambling this week?
2: Well, it, it's funny because we kind of mentioned it before. We were really talking about this before, and it, the, with the live stuff. And watching the uh, Triple H come in and, and have some like talk, not, uh, watching him exit, and watching Paul Heyman kind of talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff. And watching people excited for Triple H is kind of funny. How this guy has changed the whole dynamic of his persona, just based on stuff he did behind the scenes. So it, it had me thinking about how you never kind of knew the guy's real life back in the day when i was a kid in the 80s it was just that's what you saw on tv and then even in like the attitude ever you'd see dudes like maybe on jay leno but they were still kind of in kayfabe character wise but maybe they talk about some real shit they were doing but nowadays there's so much of this stuff where if you're seeing the behind the scenes stuff and so a lot of the re- reason people like live as a champ is because they see her in real life and on social media. So. It makes you wonder, like, what is going to be a canonical part of the show? Like, is Colby Lopez portraying Seth Rollins on a TV show, or is it the same person? So it's always weird in wrestling like that. So when you have stuff like that, and this is me saying, I I talk shit about Cody Rhodes, uh, Seth Rollins a lot. I think I fucked that up, but it's because on the same network that shows the TV shows and the pay-per-views, they have him on a TV show on like a ride-along, acting like a fucking asshole. You know, they have him on that that jackass show acting stupid or being, or Sasha's crazy stone cold thing where it's like, now I'm seeing these people. And is it that guy, is it the responsibility of a dude who's a wrestler to make sure all that stuff lines up with who he wants to be? Because he's making a character that we should want to buy his shit and pay for him and see him be a big deal. But when you see him present himself like a douchebag with his Will Osprey tweets and talking about money and all this dumb shit, it kind of counts. Right. And like, it, it, the error is like WWE's weird where they'll acknowledge a Uso DWI, but we didn't need to know that. They'll acknowledge the Xavier Woods sex tape, which was fucking gross, but like no one knew that. So it's that weird thing that they always kind of pull that real stuff in. And like, I'm not saying Seth Rollins sucks as a wrestler. I mean, he's kind of fine, but he just really seems to suck as a person to me. And it really affects me liking him. And you see a guy who's cool and it makes you want to support him, you know? So, I mean, if a Kane comes back right now, what do you do he seems like a fucking asshole now you have the stone the vince mcmahon thing too and it comes to a point where you just have to decide like how much am i willing to forgive on these guys when they come and be a wrestler and is my criticism tainted like you could say you don't like steely dan but you understand they're a great fucking band you can't say they suck because they don't i don't give a fuck about kendrick lamar but i understand he's really important in modern hip-hop music but i don't listen to him, but I understand he's good. So I think a guy like Seth Rollins has ruined a lot of what could be a good person and like, uh, even a Zach Ryder doesn't appeal to me and people like him. So is it just me? Because we, as people, we judge people before we even meet them a lot. And it's just based on this microcosms of, like, you, someone you might have recognized from your youth or how you just view someone. And sometimes you just don't like the way someone fucking looks. Or maybe they remind you of someone. And your senses are so cute, like when you're driving in a car and you think someone's looking at you. It's like, that's because you're, you're sensing things so much more than we normally a- anticipate. Like, it's not just our eyes and our ears. Like, there's a lot going on. So... Do you think you guys are able to separate the person and not saying art from the artist? This isn't like a Benoit thing or a Jimmy Snooker thing. This is just separate the person that you see. And should that person on WWE TV be more cognizant of how they act on that social media stuff? And do you have guys that you irrationally dislike because you just can't stand their face or you think they're a shithead in real life? Or are you good with separating that? And I'm just curious because it's something that I contend with a lot. So I don't know how you guys feel about that stuff.
1: Well, like, for instance, yesterday with with Roman and before that, Heyman alluding to the Vince stuff, I think that they they like to kind of tickle, but not like go all the way with it. You know what I mean? Like they they make snide marks, but they don't want to obviously they don't want to go all the way with it. And I don't know what the formula is and I don't know how often they should do it and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I like like TK, for an instance. Right. I think he doesn't do himself many favors with his bravado on social media and his, you know.
2: But I mean more how it affects a fictional character. Like, I'm not talking about that. I mean, well, I, what I'm like saying is, is
1: to some people, I can see him being like, fuck AEW as him being the face. Well, when, when then when you have the face of the WWE, they don't really go out there. And be so brash and braggadocious about really nothing. You know, they he does a good job, and they and AEW has done a great job of growing, but like t- they can't really get over a hump, and they just cater to the card or whatever. But a lot of the hate for the AEW comes from. I, I know you're not using it for an amp, for example, but I'm kind of doing it as an opposite, where you're you're a figurehead of your companies out there. Cause that's who I thought of when you were going on about it. Like your figurehead of your company's out there going on there and being an asshole or be out there being crossing the line or being braggadocious or being toxic or whatever. And he's the face of your company. But so that's just a bigger thing opposed to maybe like a character of like, like you said, like Seth Rollins out there going out there and making a snide mark to an indie guy or remember when Braun Strowman, was like, oh, well, maybe you, at the beginning of the pandemic it was like, maybe you shouldn't buy things if you can't afford them or whatever. It's just like that was so stupid. And, you know, look what happened to him. So and like and that, that was like a big backlash on him for that. Just being like, dude, like, who are you like fucking these guys are starving. You you woke up and got into the WWE because of your size. You didn't earn anything. And, yet, you know, look at him post WWE where he's just doing easy control. He's controlling his own narrative, so to speak. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I think a lot of it's like you said, a lot of personal. Personal per- presentations and personal opinions do come out and reflect characters negatively in a way, too. So I understand what you're kind of saying. Demata, you get, is this whole world to you kind of like centuries, your centuries ago, <laughs> of come lost on. interest? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Nah, I'm I'm able to separate. Although uh, back in the uh, the Total Divas era, I was a I was a fan of that show, and uh, definitely even though it, you know most of it's BS or, or scripted, but definitely some of the characters uh came off as uh, very unlikable, and uh and that kind of carried it to to the ring. Like uh, Paige, for instance, was in uh, was kind of a vapid twat, and, uh, oh, and and everybody everybody was on the page, uh everybody was on her bandwagon, and and that, and that kind of turned me off to her. And, uh, and then which you know when i
2: turned to the ring i was like ah, i lost interest in her i mean it shows you how petty as humans we could be because you could see someone in an environment that maybe they shouldn't have been in front of a camera maybe they just said a flippant thing that doesn't represent them and it's just that way like in your life like We've all met someone's friend that they're like, you're going to love this guy. He's fucking hilarious. And you meet him, and you're like, I got to get the fuck away from this guy. He's the oh, fucking course. biggest sack of shit. So, <laughs> so it's funny that people oh perceive people some ways. I'm sure that we've all been that guy too in that situation. Yeah. But like, you know, there's people who love Seth Rollins, you know, and I don't get it. He just seems like a total asshole to me. But there's a kid who thinks he's the coolest motherfucker in the world. But it's just an interesting thing to really get that down in uh, how you're going to process them and it helps to have heels and baby faces and stuff like that but it's like when he goes back to being this like look at stone cold like him being a cool guy is one of the main reasons why we love that comeback at wrestlemania it wasn't just the stuff he did in the ring it was that like he's a fucking cool dude and we all like him so there's an aspect of that to it too yeah but it also uh it also
3: takes overlooking uh some certain uh, black mark in his past which uh, yeah, I mean, we, won't, we won't get into but
2: yeah and once again there's like cute, but- yeah, but then there's also you know, do we allow people to change? Do we allow people to grow? Do we judge them on one thing they did, or do we hope that they've changed? But then how do you know? Because they never come out and said they. You know, it's it's tough being a human <laughs> and casting so many judgments on so many people. And as wrestling fans, we tend to get stuck in that sometimes too. And it's a it's a slippery slope when you really like break it down and how we're gonna judge someone. And like wrestler when Ric Flair's in the in the real world, he's Ric Flair 100% of the time, right? So it's hard to separate. And it's just something I always think about. I like to hear other people's opinions on it.
0: Yeah, my, my take on it, too, is I love when wrestlers are their character on social media. Like, all right, so MJF, we'll use him as an example, not a WWE guy, but whatever. Guy is his character through and through, and every Twitter post he's ever made. Um, and the guy has a personal Facebook account. Um, I know because I'm friends with some of the same people and I get it as a, you know, you might know this person type thing that's under his real name that shows a picture of him and his girlfriend. And he doesn't play the character on that. Um, but he doesn't also, he also doesn't add fans to that. Right. He just does that for his, for his friends and family. Um, I wish there was more of that in wrestling. Like Liv Morgan wins the title as Liv Morgan you go on Facebook, you go on Twitter, and you see her real name as her at Liv Morgan. It's like, what? What are we doing? Like, you should be able to have a personal life on social media, and you should be able to have a character piece on social media. And that's where, like, the the Rollins aspect is a good person to talk to about it. Um, I mean, remember the shit with him and Will Osprey and how he was just bashing Osprey for just no reason. That made him look like an asshole and that really wasn't in character because Seth Rollins in character would not be talking about Will Ospreay. You know what I mean? So, I definitely appreciate the conversation and and that's where I've always hated like eat, how accessible wrestlings become, right? Like you go to like an indie show and all the wrestlers that you just booed are sitting at the bar after the show. Um, Mm -hmm. and now obviously those guys aren't like rich people. So they're going to be out there selling their gimmicks or whatever. MJF is another example. When he was on the Indies, he was a fucking asshole to fans, but that was because he was playing his character and people still wanted to meet him. I go to meet MJF at a, at a meeting, um, like at a meet and greet or whatever. I don't want him to be, you know, smiling at me and, you know, being Mm -hmm. happy about it. I want him to be MJF. That's who I'm trying to meet. I'm not trying to meet Max Friedman or whatever the fuck his real name is. Um, so that's the aspect of wrestling that I've always disliked because, um, you know, we didn't have that shit in the 80s, right? You know, you didn't have that accessibility to wrestlers that you had now. I shouldn't know about the inner workings of a wrestler's personal life. Um, it's not my place to know that, but it's also on them to not give that to me, right? Um, so I, I want them to, you know, be able to play their character more and, you know, do that on Twitter and then go be friends with people on Twitter under another account. You know, that's the role that you're in. Live
2: it. It seems like something a lot of guys like really, it's a new thing, right? It's still new. This is all still very new to how people handle it. And they, you know, there's people who are grown adults who have no idea how to handle having a social media account. So, um, much like them, and it can be used to benefit them and make them more popular if done right. But it could also really kind of put a black mark on them if it's done uh, wrong.
1: And a lot has to do with the situation and how you approach it. You know, like whatever the substance of whatever you're attacking or talking about should have to factor if you're in kayfabe, if you're the real life Kevin o- Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens or whatever. Because you know, Kevin Owens is a guy that I think is really good at social media. You know, perfect that's, mix of count perfect mix of humanity perfect mix of family guy you
2: know he's just like the perfect mix to me right and if you figure you hear that a guy named kane is a super smart guy you'd think well you're going if you're ever going to go back to that company for a one-off like half the people in that company are female so you probably should not be saying fucking ignorant dumb shit like that but what do i know yep all Um, right and this brings us to
1: the last segment of the show the most anticipated segment of the show to, to maybe like Mike Rossi's mom or whatever. But, you know, um, just kidding. This is a big weekend for you, Rossi. What's going on? We better go 80% Ric Flair's last match here, too. And, uh, oh, yeah, for I'm sure. Going to get my, I my betting on, hold on. odds. Hold on. I, I'll be right back. I got to go get my gig. Gigma my thing. All right. I'll be right back. want to gig that segment.
0: Right. Go, go hard, Just go the, hard way. Do, Like he did in that segment, go hard way, pal. Yeah, I love how. Way, Jay, hold
1: on, real quick. I love how Jay Lethal was done as stamp this whole time. My surgery,
0: my surgery. Oh. Yeah, my surgery wound, brother. Uh, what a what a great fucking set of videos. It really is. Like it was actually done well, but also so goofy at the same time. But anyways, let's run through Nashville this weekend. First of all, Damato, what are you hitting other than uh, me, than uh, SummerSlam?
3: Uh, GCW, definitely, and possibly, uh, the MJPW, which is, uh, the afternoon of some Cool,
0: you ain't, you're not gonna do the flare thing? Ah, uh, no. No, okay, alright. You fly you home? Sad. Yeah. Too early, yeah. We have, yeah, uh, we have doing it, and
1: Sean Kidd's doing it.
3: Yeah, yeah, we'll have correspondence there.
0: Cool, 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 absolutely, so... Nashville's a cool place to start because Nashville's kind of had sneaky growth in the Indies in the last year. Um, Uncharted Territory used to be the Beyond gimmick up here in in Worcester, Mass. Um, Now it's down in in Nashville, Red Bank, um, Tennessee. Company that runs its uh, Southeast First, they're basically a touring merger of a bunch of the different Southern-based IWTV promotions under one banner. Um, they ran a couple like super shows and they did really well. So that's who they decided to brand the uh, Uncharted for. And Beyond's running wrestling open up here and it's doing well. So it figured a good move to get it down there and get some attention on the South. A lot of good wrestlers down there. So they've had a little bit of a resurgence. So it's cool to see everything that's going down there this weekend can kind of tie back to everything there, even though, you know, it doesn't all directly. Um Uncharted's basically like uh, Southern Underground Pro Wrestling, Action Pro and IWTV Collaboration. Um, Their viewership on IWTV has been steady since they started. It's on Monday, so it's tough um, because, you know, any of the issues that Raw has um, with, you know, playoff games and things of that nature. They've also had, but also with RAR on top of it. So um, they've, they've had pretty good steady increase in viewerships. They've actually done better when they've done death match shows. shows. Um, so there'll be a lot of sickos ready to go watch uh flare bleed this weekend. Um, their viewership's up. They're doing, they've been doing better than wrestling open the last few weeks and then they've been putting good, good cards out. So um, let's see where they go. And as far as Nashville, um, building as like an indie hotbed. And, and this is going to be a big weekend to see how it all goes. Um, you know, ICW just ran there this weekend. Um, there's a lot of cool shit going down. I mean, first off, StarCast is running a bunch of shit this weekend. Um, you know, StarCast 5, um, what a lot of cool stage shows. You know, you've got James Mitchell hosting karaoke. You've got um, the major figure pod there. Claudio's doing an interview with Chris Van Fleet. Um, Renee Young's got a got a uh, hour block with Brian Danielson, which would be cool. Um, tying back to our SummerSlam talk earlier, Bret Hart's doing a full, um, you know, stage show about SummerSlam '92. Um, there's a Horseman one. There's an after party with Flair, um, and then Rick, Mick Foley's got something. Soraya, the former page that was just mentioned, she's got her first public appearance since leaving WWE. Uh, Kevin Nash has one. Um, what's next with Gargano we talked about earlier. That'll be interesting. Then there's a Matt Hardy one on Sunday as well. The Gargano one is on Sunday afternoon. Um, I don't really expect him to make a SummerSlam return, but it'd be an interesting spot if he did to then talk about it the next day. Um, something to keep an eye out for there. Um, shows in town this weekend. The aforementioned um, Son of the Underground Pro is running a show Friday at 7 p.m. They haven't really announced a ton yet. Um, Adam Priest against Billy Starks is really the only singles match announced. Um, Black Label Pro is also running a show called The Gang Crosses the Line. That's going to be Friday at 6. That's going to have Billy Starks versus Steph Delander, um, which Steph is. Steph Delander is, I can't think of her indie name, Ryan. I'm sorry, her NXT name, Ryan. What was it?
1: Oh, uh, Indy Hartwell's buddy. Um, yeah, what was her Persia,
0: name? Per- Persia Parada. Persia Parada. So, you know, she's starting to get back out in the indie scene here, so her and Starks would be a good match. And uh, K- Kensuke Takeshida's is wrestling uh, Nick Wayne on that show. Eric Young. Eric Young versus Big Damo. The Clash of Sanity is going down on this show. And um, Josh Alexander and Kevin Blackwood are having a match. Oh, um, I'll save GCW for the end. Uh, New Japan Strong's running uh, Saturday at 2 p.m. That's headlined by John Moxley and El Desperado in a no DQ match. Other matches on that's the implosion of the Time Splitters with Alex Shelley versus Kushida. FTR is teaming with Alex Zane against Aussie Open and TJP. That'll be a cool match. Hiromu Takahashi is is here. Um, he wasn't able to make the Forbidden Door show, but he it will be in the States this weekend for a match against Blake Christian. Uh, Fred, two title matches on that show, too. Fred Rosser um, will be defending his title. Fred Rosser, again, was in the original NXT as, um, I can't think of his name either, um, but, Darren Young, thank you. I knew you would remember Ryan against Big Damo um, for the open way title. Um, and then Davy Richards is defending the MLW open weight title against Rocky Ramiro. Um, and now let's get to the fun stuff. So GCW is running Friday at 10 30 Eastern, which is a cool time slot um, after SmackDown. So they should be able to uh, you know get some decent views and it's really good card. Um, starting from the bottom, Bussy defends their Tag titles against the second gear crew of uh, Matthew Justice and Mance Warner. And also in a three-way match, that's Los Macizos, which is Ciclope. And um, I can't think of the partner's name off the top of my head. Um, Miedo Extremo, there we go. Um, and then Nick Wayne wrestling Alex Zane. That's a cool match. Uh, Bandito's going one-on-one with Jordan Oliver. Jordan Oliver yeah. uh, Tony Deppin and speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, Joey Janela going one on one with Psycho Clown, and our main event will be John Moxley defending the GCW World Title against Blake Christian. So that is a fucking loaded GCW show. Damato, what are you most excited about on that show?
3: Uh, definitely uh, Deppin and uh, Speedball Bailey. That, that that's gonna be my uh, favorite match, and uh, and also uh, Jordan Oliver. I've uh, I've seen him. He's definitely uh, he's exciting versus Bandito. So those are the top two.
0: Yeah, yeah, for the, sure. Hopefully, Bandito shows up.
2: <laughs> the Bailey Depp, and That's like gonna. That could be like one of those like PCO uh, Walter kind of matches that is just like kind of transcends the whole weekend kind of thing. Because that's gonna be a fucking. That could be just epic, right? That could just be the, the thing. And uh, if Bandito Oliver does happen, um, that's the kind of match that Oliver needs against a real polished dude because he's so good, but he's just still kind of young, I guess. But Having a match against a guy of that caliber would be really fucking cool. So yeah, that show is stacked, man.
0: That's a, as loaded a GCW show as you can get. I think that's a, that's more stacked than anything they ran Mania weekend for sure. Um, Moxley just got announced for Homecoming Weekend, um, which is the mid-August. Um, maybe Blake has always been kind of a viable person to beat him. I think he's been built up that way. He really hasn't lost this year for GCW. Um, maybe the Moxley getting announced for homecomings, a red herring to kind of make you think that he will retain here, and he won't. Um, but that that finish is definitely going to be interesting. You guys think there's any shot Moxley drops the title here? Unfortunately, no. Yeah, I
2: don't think okay. so. I feel like if I was Blake, if I was Triple H, I'd be going grab Blake and bring him back to NXT as quick as possible.
0: Yeah, and Blake just yeah. worked ROH too. Um, which on the on the pre-show, we'll see if Tony Khan gets his grip on him. I know he's worked some dark matches at, uh, as well. So, um, but now we'll get over to Sunday, which is going to be the main event of the non WWE weekend. Um, Rick Flair's final match. Um, the show brought on by Jim Crocker Promotions. Now, um, I have some people asking this week uh, on Twitter, how is Jim Crocker Promotions running under the name? Doesn't WWE technically own that name under the? The guys of the WCW purchase? Um, No, because WWE let the Jim Crockett promotions um, trademark go away in the last two years. So Crockett went right back in and and bought it back. And and here we are. Um, Matches on this show before Flair, Motor City Machine Guns um, doing battle with the American Wolves. Um, that's a really cool match. Jordan Grace defending the Impact Knockout title against Diana Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering. There's a Bunkhouse Battle Royal that's got like Bully Ray and just a bunch of ridiculous names on that. That'll be fun. Um, Harry Smith, uh, Bulldogs Kid, will be facing Killer Cross with Scarlett. Uh, the Briscoes are going to be in a tag match against the Von Eriks, which is cool. Um, there is also a match, Kerry and Ricky Morton are going to be wrestling um, Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. I know, Brian, you saw that team in action against FTR up here in Webster. Um, that'll be cool. That's kind of a you know a good ode to, to Nashville for sure. Um, and then Josh Alexander defends the Impact title against Jacob Fatu. But let's get into Flair. So um, <laughs> what are you guys' thoughts on the vignettes and the video work that they've done to get to this match, which is – Ric Flair and his son-in-law Andrade against Jay Lethal and uh, Jeff Jarrett, who is going to pull the WWE Jim Crockett promotion double header duty this weekend. What do you guys think about the build for this match and all the hype that's been surrounding it?
3: Well, it's good that they, uh, how they set it up with the, the tag team with, uh, Andrade and Lito will, will have some great spots and, uh, they'll be doing most of the, uh, work and, uh, they'll, they'll set it up for, uh, you know, the, to make Flair look good, uh, with, with his, a uh, few spots with, with, with Jarrett. So uh, that, the I mean, I mean, they, they promoted it uh, as well as, as could be given the, uh, the limitations of, uh, of Flair's age and, uh, the, the videos, uh, were well done, but, uh, A a little extra with the uh, (laughs) with with the I I guess that's a throwback to Dusty's uh, make a good uh, where 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 Flair was uh, giving tribute to Dusty with the you know with the talking in between but uh, yeah not not my cup of tea with the all the blood and uh, and stuff uh, to 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 see somebody in in the seventies like that but uh it, it's as as well done as it could be and it's drawn a lot of interest in it, and it's going to be successful they're going to have a good crowd they had to move it to the uh to the big arena so so good on them, good on uh, Conrad and Crockett, and also it's gonna be it's gonna be such a great spectacle to see they have the old uh, set up and uh, you know with the old with the you know with the classic uh, Saturday night theme music and, and all those for so for fans of you know for old school fans of uh, of the 80s uh, NWA and Crockett it,
2: it's a, it's a dream uh, for, for them so it's it's gonna be a good deal for them. When I saw JC JCW, I thought it was Juggalo Championship Wrestling. I'm oh. very excited. Yeah, oh, you're, but, getting, um, your Faygo, uh, you're <laughs> getting your fago, fucking going chicken hunting. Um, <laughs> I I think it's cool. I mean, I, I'm I, I kind of like the whole bloody insanity. It's just so pro wrestling nonsense, craziness, and like you could. It's funny that people were shitting on it so hard, and then and they went, "Wow, that's a good fucking card." And it's like, oh, and they got really cool dudes in it, and they did a really cool angle. So. I like when shit like that, and they they had to make it bigger. So I like when people shit on something, and then it's like, no, well, maybe you should fucking get all the facts before you start fucking shitting on something. And to see this old motherfucker out there in this match, it's like, to me, I don't give a shit. It reminds me of, like, when Fritz used to come out with the fucking his boys, you know? Like, you get the old man coming out with the young guys, and it's not the same thing. But I have, you know, we can make fucking shitty jokes about him dying in the ring. That ain't fucking happened to him. It's going to be a very entertaining thing him coming out to that old school flair music without the anything extra with a, a crazy robe on with lights and people are going to lose their goddamn minds and when you, if you were there live i imagined it would be the type of goosebumpy kind of moment no matter what he looks like no matter what you want to say to be a fucking asshole and shit on an old dude i think that's going to be a that's going to be a match live that's going to blow your mind and it might not translate as much on tv but i still think it's going to be pretty cool to watch so that's my opinion i think hey, it's I'm- I'm buying the fucking thing, you know, and I'm cheap. It's pure <laughs> wrestling. It's fucking pure wrestling coolness, right? Just two carny motherfuckers, two guys who could go. You got WWE, uh, fucking AEW dudes, an ROH guy, a retired – like, it's – you know, whatever, man. I think it's fucking really neat.
1: I I was sold when – is- I was sold when Flair was like, fuck you, Jarrett. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what got me, too. That's when that segment really went up to 100 for me, for sure. I thought that was the best part. Um, and then, obviously, you mentioned it earlier, but when Karen um, was holding back Crockett and, and got the blood on the white. I mean, I sh- we should have seen it coming when we saw her in white, right? Um, that's kind of the old wrestling trope. Um, now, some, some things that haven't been talked about, I think, at all about this show. I did some digging. Um, the referee for this match is going to be Tommy Young, who's okay. 75 years old. Um, used to work in the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotions WCW. Hasn't roughed a match since 2015. He's got uh, you know, he he's uh old school ref. He had he had some issues with uh um home deliveries for prescription drugs, I think, but oh, who knows? We'll see. Um, but obviously somebody Flair Trusts um last officiated the George Self Battle Royal at WrestleCade four in twenty fifteen. Um, so and then the announced team is gonna be um David Crockett and Tony Schiavone, which will be cool. I mean, Schiavone is definitely somebody that kind of fits this, uh, you know, Ric Flair vibe. So I'm all for that. Now let's get into some betting odds. Um, will a guitar be broken? Yes, minus 200 or no, plus 150. Now before we think about this, you got to assume that if the guitar is going to break, it's going to be on Andrade's head. I can't imagine Flair can take a guitar bump at this age. What what do we think, guys? Got a fucking pacemaker are in.
1: Well, it's a gimmick guitar. It's like hitting a, you know, I'm sure it, it's gotta be flair. He's gonna go all out.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, to minus 200 actually seems like kind of low. Low, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, yes. he's not. I mean, he's not the youngest person to take a flair uh, a Jarrett guitar. I think Mua and May Young both did it at an older age.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess you can just heavy gimmick it. Um, the match itself, Flair and Andrade are minus 2,200. So um, I think we know that Lethal's going out on his back here. Um, too bad. Too bad. But, which is interesting because AEW guys aren't supposed to lose um, when they take non-AEW bookings. But I don't think Jared's signing up to eat a pin here either. Fuck, he wouldn't even lose to Effie at, uh, at uh, the Hammerstein. <laughs> <design. laughs> Um so uh first move by Flair. So the suplex is plus twelve hundred, figure four chop. is plus a thousand, uh body slam plus nine hundred, leg drop plus six fifty, knife edge chop minus six hundred. It's gotta be the chop, right?
3: Yeah, chop <laughs> well, now,
0: a- I I see this as a good opportunity for Flair to jump in, hit an elbow drop for plus five fifty, and take a bonus payday. What do you guys think? <laughs> or I don't know if if
1: Jarrett's crotched on the top rope, he comes in and slams him off the top rope. I can see that too for
2: a thousand. That's a
0: good bet. Yeah, so I, like, I mean, I
2: like, I like that Pete Rose betting on baseball. action. You're
0: yeah, kidding. I mean this is Flair. I mean he he anything to make a couple bucks. I think he can make it happen. I mean it's a gimmick match. Avoid the chop and and be profitable, my man. Um, and then first blood andrade's plus four fifty, lethal's plus four hundred, Jarrett's plus one seventy five, and Flair is minus one ninety. I mean Flair might start start bleeding before he takes his robe off.
1: Jarrett's <laughs> yeah, not a bad bet, but it's gonna be Flair.
0: Yeah, it's got to be um, again, though, um, that could be something that could be uh, fixed to, to make a couple bucks for somebody. But uh, I'm excited to see this It's six o'clock. Sunday is a pretty fun window. It's a conventional pay-per-view window. Almost. I wish they did eight just because I feel like it could have gotten maybe a little bit extra eyes. Um, but, you know, they, they got to take advantage of that Nashville crowd and play off of. um Excellent. StarCast a little bit, so that's really all we have, and I mean, that's not really my conventional indie talk, but it's technically an indie, it's not owned by a major so, um, this is a fun weekend in Nashville, I think that all of these companies put some fun cards together, GCW, New Japan um, and then this flare show being the highlights for sure, and uh, you know, that seems to be the gimmick now, major four pay-per-views get the indie treatment, um, I do hear Plenty of smoke about Boston for Survivor Series, even though it is Thanksgiving weekend, also getting some of this indie uh, smoke. So we'll see how that pans out over the coming months. And uh, Ryan, there might be some extra bullshit to go to this uh, this fall. I know um, GCW is running Providence the weekend before. um, So, I mean, it could be easy for them to try to find a spot in Mass sometime um, that weekend, maybe Friday night, Black Friday or something like that. The motto you make it the trip?
3: Oh, of course, for, for survivors, yeah, definitely. But uh, I think that that time is good. The earlier time is good because the average age of uh, uh, flair flare fan uh, needs to be awake for the uh, main event. <laughs> <laughs> myself included. Uh. And <laughs> uh, sorry to correct you, Mike, but I think uh, I think Tommy Young couldn't do it uh, to be the ref. Uh, they got a Kyoto, I think.
0: Oh, did they? Okay, yeah. I just I, I looked it up, and that was what I saw. So maybe they. Uh, yeah, maybe no, saw...
3: origi- originally it was, but uh, yeah,
1: I don't think he was up.
3: Up to it uh, physically, so yeah, they got Kyoto. Oh,
0: that's too bad. Kyoto will be
3: better though.
1: Yeah, Kyoto will be better because I was just thinking a 75-year-old guy, you know, <laughs> going down for a count. Like, nah,
3: that's what happened. Yeah, he couldn't. I think. I think at the end
2: they they couldn't do it physically. Yeah. We're getting first arcade vibes with that. Yep. Ryan, you gonna have some cots ready for your two favorite paisans from uh, New York, New Jersey when we come up for Summerslam? We'll make it work. <clears throat> <laughs> i the bed I'll, I'll take the floor perfect. perfect
1: you guys can you guys can have the wife sleeping outside you guys can have the the, the king the, the king can there you go all right but hey hit your boy up Rick Flair I'll give you real cheap vig. Rick Flair cry first Rick Flair bleed first 50/50 <laughs> hit your boy <laughs> up. 5% vig. not much I'm a trusted source I got you got you guys all right But, all right, Rossi, is that it for the Indie Minute?
0: Yeah, that's all that we got. I mean, the only other thing I'd like to add to that flare match is, you know, do we see, like, the horsemen do a run-in? I figured they'd close the show. I was listening to, uh, yeah, after, like, post-match. I feel like the post-match is more interesting than the match, but um, something that Andrew Zarian said in his pod this week that, that I was dying laughing at is as if as if the match ends, Flair's team gets a W, and then out of the blue, Shawn Michaels shows up, hits the super kick, and that's how they go, they go out again. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. He cries, says I'm sorry, and that's it. Perfect. All right, well, that's it for us this week, this guy's. The motto, you got anything before we get out of here, buddy? Ah oh, no, okay.
3: Keep it tight. Uh, you know, I'm outside of the, uh, the your usual uh, demographic, so uh, I keep it on the down low.
1: Nah, you you fit in perfectly fine. Rocco, <laughs> anything before we're out of here? Uh, nope, got nothing. As always, and Ross Rossi, just tell us we got nothing. and Let's get the fuck home.
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't got shit. We're good.
1: All right, guys, check everything else here on the North South Connection. And we'll see you in Nashville later, guys. All
3: right, thank you.